Hi, and welcome back to Kessel Run Relay, a Star Wars podcast. Our episodes drop at the beginning of each week, and you can follow us on social media. Our links will be in the description. This week, we will be discussing the 11th episode of Andor Season 1 with a special guest. But before that, hi, I'm Liv. I use she, her pronouns, and you can find me everywhere at Olivia Amidala, except for Hive, which I have the greatest username ever, and it's just Kira. So true. Just Kira. So, I win. Anyways, my (laughs) brainworm of the week is the entirety of the children's book, Secrets of the Bounty Hunters, which we jokingly said a couple months ago. Oh my god, I hope we get, like, a Valance mention or something. He has a whole section! This man has a whole page and, like, pull-out Valance diagram and mentions of him in other, like, entries. (laughs) I need it so badly. They did it for me. Beautiful. (laughs) I need to go to Barnes & Noble tomorrow and get it. Like, I I need to have the tiny little balance diagram. I need to have the tiny balance balance diagram framed along with the big balance diagram, which I also have framed. Yeah. And then he has to take a picture in front of it with your balance diagram t-shirt. Exactly. So true. You are absolutely correct. Anyways, would you like to introduce yourself, Hayden? Absolutely. So, hi, my name is Hayden. I use she, her pronouns. You can find me on TikTok at taika.ytv, on Twitter and Instagram at mcuytv, and on Hive as balancelover69. (laughs) And my brainworm of the week is the That's So Raven Venus Flytrap Drangear from Into the Dark. So, for context, there is an episode of That's So Raven from- Oh, with the- With the Venus flytrap! (laughs) There's an episode of That's So Raven with a Venus flytrap, and I swear to God, that episode, like, traumatized me as a child. I guess I was- I, I did the thing where you fell asleep on the couch- but you had Disney Channel playing, so you woke up, and then there was, like, the reruns of all the old shows playing, and one of those old shows was That's So Raven, and it was the episode with the Venus flytrap where it traps her in a log and rolls her down a hill or something. Automatic traumatization. Like, that, I think that is where a lot of my problems stem from, because weirdly, I have phobias of plants. CC the, um... My my phobia of pumpkins from one of the Cinderella movies. <laughs> Context on that. It, I think it's the it was a straight to video, straight to DVD uh movie called like a twisted tale or something oh, like that. Cinderella three, Cinderella 3 a twisted, twisted time? time? The yeah. best Cinderella movie? No. <laughs> And the part that traumatized me was the part where she's sitting in the pumpkin and the pumpkin starts to disintegrate around her. I don't know why. Iconic. No, I don't know why, but that traumatized me. So now I can't look at the insides of a pumpkin without gagging. I can't smell a pumpkin without gagging. And I've only just recently started to eat pumpkin-flavored things. And to add on, to tack on to that... uh. <laughs> That's so Raven Venus flytrap drain gear. How I imagine them walking is like, you know, the plants in Plants vs. Zombies where they like kind of like waddle. 
Josh got so excited his headphones fell off. <laughs> like that's how I imagine them walking. But yeah, that's that's my brainworm of the week. So, Emily, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, hello, I'm Emily. My pronouns are she, her. You can find me on TikTok at StardustM and on Twitter and Instagram at underscore StardustM. I don't have a hive yet and I refuse to get one until Twitter dies. I just don't want to do another social media. <laughs> um, <laughs> my brainworm of, brain of the week is Ray canonical stuffed animal enjoyer and also finn canonical stuffed animal enjoyer um it's everything they stole it directly from my tiktok page and i really I could not be happier so true they did it for me mm-hmm. <laughs> uh josh especially hello. guest josh <laughs> do you want to introduce <laughs> yourself <laughs> sure sure uh hello my name is josh you can find me on tiktok at coughing skywalker on twitter at Josh Garberg, uh, and on Hive at Josh Garb. That one's easier. Um, the the brainworm of the week for me is a uh, ghost Nemec cameo. Um, the moment that voice um, sounded off, I I jumped, I screamed, and I was <laughs> so happy. I was so happy to just hear my boy. It was exciting. Boy. Yeah. It's my oh. it's our boy. I skipped my pronouns. Sorry. My pronouns are he, they. All right. Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I can't believe we actually have Nemec on this week. (laughs) Nemec, real parentheses. Bloody great to be here. That's. uh, (laughs) 10 out of 10, Alex Lothar in Russian. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) He's like, he was here with us. (laughs) <laughs> so besties what happened this week so much i i can tell you one thing that happened my budget for hot hot dog came in <laughs> it wasn't supposed to get here until january when i okay let, mind you i walked in my room i took a red eye back from california yesterday i walked in my room 6.05 a.m. I saw this sitting on my desk. I started, like, hyperventilating. So, the boy, the boy is mine. I have not set him up yet, but I already have an idea for the pose I want to do. Because this is, he is everything to me. And, hold on, I also have Tiny Boba. I have... How tiny is he? Not, not super tiny. Black series. The Black Series, like, the... War of the Bounty Hunters. Yeah, the War of the Bounty Hunters disguise one. And nice. those I found sitting for me on my desk when I got home. But yeah, what else happened this week? Um... Ticketmaster became my enemy. I... That's oh, not Star Wars related. <laughs> Lord. Ticketmaster... It's not going for them. No. <laughs> it's really not. Has like, that still not been resolved? So... Oh, no. Nope. No, it hasn't. Like, Em, I am so happy for you. No. <laughs> but I will I will fight them. I will... Don't sue me, Ticketmaster. I will commit arson. Yeah. 
I mean, I even had like there. a yep. slightly better ticket buying experience that other people had. Even I was in that queue for an hour. And then while I was like trying to buy tickets, I kept being like, they're gone. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's one of the most stressful experiences. Like my mom and I were in yeah. the trenches because they were like, <laughs> they were like, oh, so we're like on there at 10. And they're like, it's not going to happen until three. And we're like, oh my God. Because that was like the East Coast had been on for like four hours yeah. trying to get tickets. Anyway, Ticketmaster is actually my, like, this is what happens when you have a monopoly. Nemec, speaking of Nemec. Swifties. Speaking of Nemec. Speaking of Nemec. Nemec could bring down Ticketmaster. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. They have, they have no payloads to, to credit. No. <laughs> It's a good thing about digital. <laughs> I'm gonna edit Nevix being crushed by Taylor Swift again. <laughs> oh my god! Capitalism and now Taylor Swift tickets. <laughs> what else? Will Taylor kill Swift monopoly. <laughs> uh, we also have another listener question because Yay. somebody is this. A, Fun that some people listen to the end of our podcast. <laughs> um, this is from they signed to Ima. I think it's Ima Geek, not a nerd, on Twitter. Uh, they asked if you could only read one Star Wars book or comic for the rest of your life, what would it be? But there was a caveat, which is, and you can't say any comic with Kira or Valens, Rebel Rising, Rogue One, the novel, anything with Cassian or Poe or the solo novel. <laughs> Personally, I win this. Because my answers are most wanted, which does involve Kira, but it's not a comic. And Bounty Hunters 20, which does not have Valance in it. So I win. Those are my two favorite <laughs> things anyways. So like. <laughs> I, I got, I, hold on. I got to look at my shelf. You can, you can go. <laughs> I'd probably go with Midnight Horizon then. I think that would be my pick. Princess and the Scoundrel is pretty high up there, though. I was just looking at Princess and the Scoundrel. That's a that's a good one, and I think that doesn't have any of the list, so that's a good one. And I don't really have a comic because, like, I have a loophole. So I'm I've I've been thinking about this for like two weeks. Like I, it's it's been weighing on my mind heavily. However, you said solo the novel. You did not say solo the marvel comics adaptation so i think i think that oh, no. counts. that's like that's like saying that i i that would like be like me saying the rogue one comic i yeah. think it counts yeah, it falls on. under the umbrella <laughs> hold on and it has balance in it for i know one it's just issue, for one for panel, panel. still he's in it just saying do you josh do you have one and you have less of the caveats. <laughs> I have, <laughs> I have, yeah, <laughs> I have much. Uh, I, it's kind of tough. I, I'm debating in my mind between two. Are, are we allowed to say two things at all? Yes, yeah, sure. Is... I said two things. We're an cool. indecisive podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I think uh, for book, uh, I'm gonna say, uh, Thrawn Treason, 
just because I was that, just thinking that. Uh, it, uh, with the throng books, it's got everything you want. It's got ascendancy stuff. It's got Eli Vanto. It's got uh, it's got a death trooper named Waffle for some reason. <laughs> I, it's yeah. everything you'd ever want. Um, and then uh, for then I was thinking for a comic, I was thinking a uh, High Republic Trail of Shadows. Because it is just like a beautiful noir story, but also it has Dr. Utterson's origin story. So true. It's got his Heisenberg story. His, Your his, favorite his little Walter guy. White. Yeah, my favorite little guy. Uh, I You can't beat it. I love it so much. But yeah. I think I've come up with my answer. So, I think the comic that I would choose would be the mini arc of Star Wars 2020 where they're saving the technicians for the Death Star that not defected, but the um the Crimson Dawn operatives that escaped the Empire. And then for book, I think I would either choose Thrawn Treason or Thrawn Treason, Thrawn Lesser Evil, or Princess and the Scoundrel. As we said, we're a very indecisive podcast. We're an indecisive podcast. <laughs> very. I was like, I can't say any comics because I think like the only, the most, the comic that I've read in full is like the Poe comics <laughs> <laughs> and the Lando. Lando, Lando Double or Nothing. I actually need to give that a reread. It was pretty good when I it's read good, it. Good, but I would I would it be the only one that I would want to read for the rest of my life? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> However, Villanelli Lando, Mwah. Chef's kiss, especially after the Donald Glover Lando. Ooh. yes sir yes there's one thing one- that the star wars comics and uh authors writers get it's it's how to pull the lando fits they understand lando's yeah. style they really do like they always like- give him the best the like red and gold one from shadow of the sith oh mm-hmm. That's, i was just thinking about that one mm-hmm. i need to see it in live action <laughs> I got sick Lando. <laughs> so true. Sick Lando show promo. Yeah. We need it. Yeah, we need it. It's coming, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> uh with that, we'll get into episode eleven of Andor, the penultimate episode full disclosure we are filming this after we've all seen the finale but we will try to keep it just mostly talking about episode 12 we uh won't be delving into except at the end uh spoilers uh because josh will give us a rundown on his thoughts but first overall thoughts on episode 11 thumbs up it was very good if i had three arms three hands that would be three thumbs up so true yeah I think the way that they set the finale up was very satisfying. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, the stuff with Mon Mothma and Leda, that shit, that shit hurted. Like, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit more when we talk about Mon Mothma and Leda, but holy shit, Genevieve O'Reilly has been absolutely slaughtering this series. And I know for a fact she's going to come back for season two, but, like, she she really just blew the shoe, blew the shoe, blew the show out of the water. Um, however, 
Beaches two, Cassian zero. If <laughs> <laughs> like that man cannot catch a break on a beach. He really can't. Oh my god! It's beaches three, three That's twice because oh yeah, he got arrested on the beach. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he really cannot catch a break for his damn life. <laughs> like. He's I been wonder if going to go to any more beaches in season two where he gets traumatized some more. <laughs> yeah. And each time he's been embraced the with Jenner, so he embraces. Mel, she embraces. The, the K2 droid, he, he gets embraced quite, um, quite roughly. Forcefully. Forcefully, yeah. <laughs> but um, it's an embrace. Oh my god. Free this I'll man. S- <laughs> free this man from the embrace of beaches like we talk yeah i was like somebody's like Anakin skywalker i don't like sam you know who has a real reason not to like sam <laughs> cassie and andor <laughs> only pain and trauma associated with that feeling uh, oh my god yeah that this the, the episode 11 really felt like um it did such a good job of like setting up for the finale but also having its own like arcs and like own complete episode where it didn't mm-hmm. feel like it was just set up but at the same time it felt you could feel like something was brewing everything was daunting everybody was learning about like the death of 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 the mother and everybody was like oh so, it just felt like something was gonna happen it was so good yeah the ten- the show does a really good job like in all the arcs, like I think we talked about this before, but it does a really good job knowing when to slow down and let the tension mm-hmm. build and let people process like the emotions of the last arc. Um, like, you know, really being able to like slow down here and, and process, you know, Cassian and Melshi getting out of prison and uh, everything that, and like Mon Mothma's whole, like her even having time to like physically speak out everything that had happened to her is was so nice um and I loved that and and, yeah like it said like it felt like you know there were completed character arcs but you also just felt that tension slowly building especially on Ferrix with uh with Marva it just really like you were really preparing for what would end up happening in episode 12 and it's it was so well done Mm -hmm. I the great thing about this show is it, it gives its time to the actors. Like it doesn't rush anything. And what I love is they even did that for B2. I don't want to rush the, the schedule, but like for for B2, the way they, they showed the death with with him, starting out with him, and they they gave such a beautiful like acting point for this for this animatron not or not animatron i don't know how they control b2 but it was so wonderful to give b2 the time to to show how marva's death or um uh, how he reacts to marva's death yeah yeah we'll get into that more but yeah it was so yeah just it's those moments are so important and like even though I feel like sometimes people complain about the slowness of the pace. Like once you put the show all together, you realize just how important these moments are to making you especially feel connected to the characters. So you're invested in what happens to them and you are, you know, happy when they succeed and feel sorrow when they fail. Um, 
And like, I, that's what I've appreciated. And I've appreciated the arc structure of this show for like that specific yeah. reason. Um, like, I mean, I think that was especially present in like the Ferrix or the Aldani and the prison arc like that tension building to like this one final big action moment i feel like the the slow moments of this series is what sets it apart from the other star wars series we've got so far because the other ones have felt so rushed like they have to shove everything into these six episodes whereas with andor it has the 12 episodes so it has time Mm -hmm. to breathe it has time to slow down and give the characters their like moments just to stop and think and let the audience kind of figure out what's happening and it that's why it's kind of better yeah <laughs> like the only the only other show I can think that like really I mean it's just like Rebels does that but that's because Rebels yeah. is much more and like it has those episodes where it's just like oh like yeah Zeb and uh and as we're going on a melee run uh run is kind of a silly episode but you know because you had that establishment in the first season by the first season it's like oh that their relationship like knowing he's saying goodbye to Ezra that's yeah. something that hurts you um mm-hmm. and I think like yeah it's it's like they're kind of taking I feel like it's almost they're taking the best parts of like all of the other Star Wars projects and kind of like buying it into yeah. one show mm-hmm. yeah. the structure of the show itself sets it up sets itself up for success I feel like because it's taken all those elements from the other shows and kind of put it in this amalgamation of good <laughs> just good acting writing direction set design all around and just packs it into this perfectly like constructed thing that i don't i i don't know how we got this level of craft from a star wars show but i'm very very happy that we did and i'm very happy that andor was my most anticipated live action project because it delivered yeah. Uh, just to speak more a little bit like on like yeah the delivering with the and the 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 taking its time stuff like yeah it really gives us those special like one of my favorite uh mo- scenes ever in star wars now period is just in episode four when luthan is putting on that wig and he's like yes. practicing his his like facial expressions and getting into character like because of this 12 episode structure it's giving us the time and these moments for these special little like character insights and moments to look into their lives and look into like how they how he's dealing or how he how he acts or how he how he how he deals with this transition or what he does to prepare for for being in there and it just it's so cool to see this kind of thing yeah it's great to see in star wars this is what i've wanted like to have these special slowed down moments where we can see into these characters lives and see like how just just see them give them time to breathe and give the actors time to to do what they want to do and to to give these characters even more life it's just so wonderful to see it's so great mm-hmm. I yeah. hope all of the live action shows are 12 episodes now because uh, honestly I really don't know if I could go back to just having like six episode or eight episode shows after yeah. seeing this. And I feel like I feel like may like a show like Mando like as good as it is like I feel like something like season two could have benefited from that especially with so many Definitely. episodes that like didn't wholly focus on Din's story um and I know that season three probably won't be longer but like 
we can we can dream it would be really good especially with how like heavy it seems like season three is gonna be to just have those extra uh that extra time and have those extra character moments especially with mm -hmm. characters like Bo-Katan um yeah I would I would really like it I'm hoping like something I'm hoping like the shows going forward like Acolyte and Lando also maybe end up being uh longer yeah but it's also interesting because I've noticed Dave Filoni's like directing technique. He likes to take things kind of like the first episode of The Mandalorian feels slow, but not in the same way Andor feels slow. Like, yeah, like Andor feels like it's deliberately taking its time. And with its time, it's like showing these different character nuances and stuff. And Mandalorian, it's like, I don't know, it's like because a lot of it is. It's not necessarily bad, but it's just like it's it's more like taking the time to show the world around Mando and not so much using it to look into the character. It feels like it's showing the environment and like showing like just like getting into the tone of like, oh, he's a cowboy, he's walking slow, he's <laughs> he's walking slow for a long time. But like it feels slow in a different kind of way. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. Yes. Um, any other overall thoughts before we get into kind of character specifics? What the fuck were those little like net things? I, yeah, slimy <laughs> hands. Slime. Yeah, sticky hands. Sticky hands. <laughs> like, That's why were they wet? <laughs> I don't so know. Gross. They came out. They came out of, out of those nets looking like they just took a shower. Like, bro, <laughs> I drowned. <laughs> That needs to be the next Disney toy. I need a million of those squishy nets. Oh my god, imagine, like, it's like, you know how they used to have those, like, play sets? And I feel like they don't do as much, but it would be, like, it'd come with, like, two action figures, and then it's, like, it'll have, like, these movements. It's, like, snatch that! It's, like, throw the net at Oh my god. Oh, when I get a Milky Black Series figure and I just throw sticky hands at him. <laughs> Be hungry, hungry hippos, but it's just like Melshi and Cassian <laughs> just like shooting at. <laughs> oh my god. Hasbro is losing out on money right now. <laughs> Leaving money on the table. This is I would buy it. it. I'd buy it. <laughs> I'd play it at every party. I'd be like, hey, everyone, we're <laughs> gonna play this game. <laughs> Uh, with that, we'll move into the characters this episode. We'll start, as we always do, with Cassian. He was sticky. He was sticky. It's true. It's true. He drowned. Sticky, <laughs> he was slippery. <laughs> drowned. He actually drowned. He Guys, actually drowned. Break, breaking news, by the way. Listeners, this is like breaking news. Uh, Cassian Andor has actually drowned. If you didn't know he this, drowned. he actually drowned. He drowned. He drowned. He drowned. <laughs> this is so important. And now we can move on. Uh, <laughs> um, oh my god. Oof, he, he was sad boy this episode. Sad. The dogs were out. <laughs> he was holding on to that cliff face for dear life. I, the dogs were out and they were beat up. Torn. They, they were, were torn to shreds. Just whining for help. <laughs> um, the fact that now I'm just imagining, like you know, when your feet are blistered 
like they have to put him in like a boot. He was going around fixing like a boot. Imagine how like messed up his feet were, the blisters. Oh Oof. yeah. He Oof. needs a pair of those socks that are like infused with aloe vera. Oh wait, he needs one of those like foot treatment yeah. things where you put your foot in a bag and then yeah, you're, like the foot masks. Like... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wait a minute. Get my foot the... mask. Wait a minute. Um, Melshi and Cassie and Joy, they were around. We actually give him a little gift basket that has like a <laughs> so foot mask true. and like it has like, like a, a face nice little, mask. Like, like a face and mask. a bag of illegal fish that can eat off his, uh, yeah. eat off all the bacteria. <laughs> it's the dead. Yeah, yeah. Some, some lotion for their hands like uh-huh. so like scented like, you gotta you gotta their hands were beat the fuck up too like you gotta moisturize mm. them too yeah like oh i'm sure that <laughs> net that that slimy net helped out with some moisturization too so true so so nice so healing then they're running around <laughs> on sand it's just getting in there after they swim in what we presume is like salt water ah <sighs> They were sticky. sticky. <laughs> like if I if I put my hand on Cassie and it would have to be like when I took it off. <laughs> you would, so if true. you like ran his your hand through his hair like you're like stuck. <laughs> you know, just, like it would be like fifty knots and then you like Oh my god. Yeah. But what, besides what? that <laughs> Um I feel like this episode is the first time we've really observed Cassian. Just like in that moment when he learns of his mom's death. Throughout this whole show, we I mean, we've been watching, we've been watching his life and stuff. But I feel like in that moment, he didn't have to look out for anyone. He didn't have to study anybody. He didn't have to look out for himself. All that was happening was he just learned his mother had died and he was mm-hmm. he couldn't be there with her when she died. And that the like again with like taking its time on this that beautiful moment where where Diego doesn't say anything but he can see in his eyes and the way he reacts he's such a good actor he's so great he just he took his time and it was heartbreaking and I feel like he he didn't have to put on a show he didn't have to watch out for anybody he didn't have to stay he just he just was and we watched Mm -hmm. him take all that in and decide in that moment what he would do yeah, it was so and like, mm-hmm. and that's even more like prominent when you see like how much he was watching out for like Melshi in the beginning mm-hmm. when he's telling him, you know, they're leaving, just hold on, and he's mm-hmm. trying to get him to like stay and and watching out for the both of them, and yeah, just to have that moment of just his where he just gets to like for a moment sink into his grief mm-hmm. and just process that before he has yeah. to figure out his next steps. Yeah. It was so nice. And like you're saying, Diego, Diego, part of I think what makes his acting in particular is how much he how well he acts without lines. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of moments in this show where like a lot of what he does and a lot of the ways that you get to know Cassian and what he's feeling is just through the way he reacts to things. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's really a testament to how great Diego's acting is because yes, like he has fan like he has a lot of great moments but like yet the ones that I remember from the show are like are like that are are the ones on the beach are you know the ones where he is like kind of reacting to the Aldani rebels as he's learning about them like those are the moments that I remember um and a lot of the actors have gotten praise in the show um 
and I know that we praise him, but I, I feel like Diego is not getting enough praise mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. what he's doing. It's kind of like the main character symptom, but like he has carried this show in a way that I really feel like deserves a lot of, uh, he deserves his flowers for it because mm-hmm. it's been incredible. Um, I mean, and he was great and he's fantastic in Rogue One, but I feel like it just shows people that like, I don't know. I feel like so many people miss that, like the stuff that Diego does with Cassian, it's not like him not being a good actor. It's a choice. Like the yeah. ways that in Cassian reacts or doesn't react is a choice mm-hmm. that he's consci- consciously making for the character. Mm-hmm. And something I'm, I'm actually, I'm really, I was, I've been thinking about this a lot. I remember near the beginning when we learned it'd be five years before and we're kind of joking around with the age and stuff like, oh, he's probably supposed to be like, is, were we thinking in the beginning like he was supposed to be like 20 or 19 or something like that 21 was 21 the... and like we we're all like ah oh, but honestly it hasn't been like distracting or bad at all not like, at all it's never i've never been taken out by like oh he's not 21 if if that is still the canonical i know the age is kind of jumping around weird, but... it's really but confusing. he's younger <laughs> but he's younger yeah yeah, he's younger and also he wouldn't look that much different from rogue one but anyway i digress um it's he's so <laughs> impressive he's he's just so no yeah he's so wonderful with this role and yeah i like how the i like the way you described it as he had this moment to sink into his grief because like from this point forward it's it's non-stop he's got to be moving mm-hmm. And he's been nonstop moving. And so for like this one moment, he gets a little bit of quiet. He gets a little bit of, he gets to feel him, it. I was about to say he gets to feel himself, but that doesn't make, that's not, that doesn't make sense in the context. He gets to feel his feelings. He gets to feel his feelings and it's, and it's, it's wonderful. But yeah. Yeah. And it's just, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. And I feel like this episode, like, it was really the turning point for him. You could tell it was where, I mean, like, I think we saw that in the last or kind of through the prison, but this was really, I think the turning point of like, this was the man that you knew is going to join the rebellion after everything that he's gone through mm-hmm. in this show, after hearing about the death of his mother and, and hearing him say like, I, she would be proud of me. You know, that this is, that's like, I feel like this is the moment where he makes his decision that like, this is what I'm, doing for my life now um and god that hurts just that i tell her you know i'm thinking of her and i know that she would be proud of me Hmm. and also like that makes like the it makes what he says to Jin have so many more levels because knowing that you know all he would want to hear someone tell him is marva would be proud of him so knowing that he can give that to Jin in her final moments of telling her that her father would be proud of her. I just put that's, that together. Like that's yeah. something that like, Painful. yeah, like carrying that experience with him and knowing like probably all he wanted somebody to tell him after he heard that news was like, she would have been mm-hmm. proud of you, Cassie. And so he can give that to, to Jin. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah, I think that's... <laughs> Like so, it hurts. Lee Gilroy, I'm in your fucking walls. <laughs> in your walls. <laughs> I am. I'm coming for you. Uh, I am yeah. so concerned to watch Rogue One after this series. <laughs> yeah. it, is, it is really not gonna be good. Look, it's it's hard. It can't get much worse for me. I already. I was like, oh, people are like, what's the earliest you cry during Rogue One? 
is when Saw comes to pick up Jim. How much how much earlier can I cry? <laughs> and I'm fucked. <laughs> I'm so screwed. Um, <laughs> oh god. But it's yeah, it's this was just fantastic. Also, we had a I'm glad that Nemex Manifesto was still there. I was a little worried about it. Yeah! We had like that brief uh <laughs> just brief cameo. That's all I heard, and I jumped, and I was like, "Nemec <laughs> is back for a second, just his voice, but it's still wonderful." Return of the Nemec. Return of the Nemec. What a man! Sweet, gentle boy. I'm very pocket sized with his little, scary. his little hat. Yeah, catcher <laughs> in the riot. Oh, man. <laughs> Nemec I... is Holden Caulfield if you went the other way. Whoa. So true. Wait. <laughs> Holden He's... Caulfield if he wasn't the most insufferable person ever. <laughs> I was literally just going to say that. <laughs> Holden Caulfield if I didn't want to punch him in the face. So uh. true. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway. Also, the... Um, I was like, I was trying so hard. I was like, where have I seen that alien before that was sleeping in Cassian's old yeah. hotel room? I was it's like, the oh, it's, from, it's from, it's Jin's uh, cellmate is the same. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Tony I was like, Gilroy. I was like, I've seen that before. But yeah, it was Shizomi. the same. Like, and the truly. Tar- oh, go ahead. Oh, I was like, truly Tony Gilroy just does it for his club. <laughs> I was like, nobody oh. else. <laughs> well, apparently, um, I have a friend that works at Galaxy's Edge, and he said that um, Jin's cellmate is Oga as of Oga's Cantina. Like, the owner of Oga's is So he's Jin's just been cellmate. sleeping in hotels and cantinas? I guess. Or hotels. Cells. Really? <laughs> in hotels. Yeah. He, I remember reading something about... I, I think I heard it somewhere. I think it might have been in the Black Spire novelization. But I mean, he told me and Liv when we went there this summer. Yeah. So I trust I'm looking up on Wikipedia. <laughs> I trust That's... them, but I, I'm so curious now because I feel like that name does sound. He'll have his little thing. And yeah. the alien uh, guy was also from Rogue One yeah i heard something about that but i don't remember seeing him uh i think he was in uh he was in like he was in one of the rogue one like novelization or like one of the books and i think he was from jetta or something i think he's like a kyber crystal something Hmm. Moisey, my. I love their accents. It was loved, so funny. I love Toozy too. <laughs> that's that's where the fantasy, like I could really feel like the fantasy elements in that scene. I loved it yeah. so much. It yes, felt like were, it was very much like you're on this quest and you have to talk to these two ogres. <laughs> <laughs> I was half expecting them to say like some sort of riddle. In order to get out of the yeah. little nut. <laughs> uh, yeah. Speaking of people in nets, if we're talking about Melshi, I almost said Melshian. I mean, I don't know. Duncan Powell is all for it. 
<laughs> Duncan Powell was like number one. He was reposting Belshi Cassie, and I was like, <laughs> truly king. He's our greatest ally in this. <laughs> I just know he's on AO3 every night. I know he has that alert on. Oh. <laughs> My man was just waiting. He probably had his own headcanons for like years. So true. And now he's like, he, he's actually writing the Melshi Cassie <laughs> Vindication. <sighs> Favoriting them. Great job. <laughs> Melshi. Anyway. Oh, go Melshi, ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, Melshi standing there. I'm going to demonstrate. Sorry, listeners. You're not going to see this. But Melshi just standing there after Cassian learns of the death just like this in the dad shirt was like, <laughs> was like I, I did Melshi's pose. It was it was such... <laughs> it, I, I was like, damn. Okay, Melshi. Who said his, realism doesn't exist in Star Wars? His fit was, his fit was off. The no, cards. The I need so his good. goddamn Hawaiian shirt. Like, when seriously? Will, when will Galaxy's Edge so bad? Yeah. <laughs> when will Hot Topic come out with that? Mm. Hot I Topic, Box Lunch, Her Universe. Like, come on. Let's get this ball rolling, guys. We need it now. We need it. I will buy it. It's such a fit. <laughs> it's such a funky little shirt. Like, I want it. Like, isn't that they're like, here's one of the most like gut wrenching scenes of the whole season, but like, Melshi is in a fun little shirt. So, like, consider <laughs> that. <laughs> so true. So, consider that. Don't be I'm mad so... at us. <laughs> it's like that meme. It's like that meme where it goes, uh, You receive um, Melshi in a funky shirt. I get cal- calcium. <laughs> calcium. <laughs> Way. Cassian's mental stability. <laughs> Maybe if he if he had a little more calcium, he wouldn't have drowned. <laughs> Sorry, you drowned. You drowned. You drowned. 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 <laughs> calcium, calcium drowned. <laughs> Liv, what were you saying? I was just gonna say I love how um, Cassian just got like the most gut wrenching news, mm-hmm. and then he goes back to the beach, and Mel, she's like, "Let's split up. I'm leaving you," and Cassian's like. No, not again. <laughs> I like how he's like he's like, is everything okay? Everything is okay. Yeah, like, oh, he's, on, he's on the verge of tears, and she's like, yeah, he, like the tears in his eyes. Like, okay, I'm like, go. <laughs> and he still thinks his name is Keith. <laughs> I My hope sister. season two when they're on Yavin, we see them meet up again, and he learns that his real name is actually Cassian, but he never calls him Cassian. He only calls him Keith, but it's like, isn't that right, Keith? <laughs> My sister and I were like, it'd be so funny if like he doesn't say it, but they're in like a meeting, and Mon Moth is like, this is this is Lieutenant Cassian Andor, and Mel, she's like, who? <laughs> <laughs> That's Keith. Or they just never tell him. And that's why in Rogue One, I don't think we, do we hear Melshi say Cassian's name? I think so. What if nobody just like ever tells him? I think like, so the only lights he has is on Scarif and then Leanna Halleck. (laughs) 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 He has him on Scarif when he's like talking. But he, yeah, he says Melshi. I don't know if he ever says Cassian. I mean. (laughs) Everyone else is calling him Cassian and he's like, 
<laughs> That's cute. He just thinks Cassian is his alias and Cupid. <laughs> oh, oh, this is Cassian Andor. Ah, Cassian. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> Belgie's like, it's weird. I gave them my real name. I don't know. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> Whatever, I guess. There's no way he's coming back from. Oh, my name's actually not Keith, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be pissed. I'm calling you Keith anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't have a choice now. Your name is Keith. Your name is Keith. <laughs> <laughs> Change your birth certificate. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I I am curious. Um, he was very Melshi was very adamant about people knowing about what happened. Like he was like, people need to know about this. I'm curious to see if in season two, we see him out doing anything with that, like uh, some sort of radio talk show on the Holonet. Not that, but like some <laughs> fireside <laughs> but... chats with Melshi. <laughs> <laughs> so FDR of him. <laughs> so true <laughs> he's really he's a belshi is sort of like our modern day fdr so in true. a way yeah he is whoa wait that's a game changer <laughs> he doesn't have polio though so <laughs> he was vaccinated <laughs> Yeah, but I do I do like how they set up uh, Melshi's kind of devotion to it, especially how, like, originally he kind of, in prison, he seemed resistant. And I like how that experience changed him and how that sets him up to be in the rebellion and, like, specifically to be a Pathfinder. Um, and I'd be so, yeah, I'd be curious, like, Cassian tries to get in contact with Melshi and, like, bring him into Luthen's cell, or if, like, they're just gonna meet again on like some rebel base and they're gonna be like oh hey good to see you're still alive <laughs> they get imprisoned well, I... again <laughs> i was thinking that they would just like meet by chance and then cassie was like hey or because luthan is presumably a little bit more involved in the rebellion he's like hey you want to go see this really cool secret base and she's like yeah sick and then luthan is like who's this guy and <laughs> Cassian is like, well, he helped me get out of prison when I was falsely imprisoned. And he's like, oh, sick. And then they all go to Yavin 4. And that's how they meet Mon Mothma for the first time. Full that's circle. Hard. Full circle. Maybe this is what they <laughs> meant by, like, when Kino Loika's Cassian, he was talking about, like, oh, like, there has to be others. Like, maybe, like, you know, Melshi kind of looking for survivors. Maybe he meets mm-hmm. Kino. Maybe Kino made it out. Please. There are spaceships on that <laughs> I think, or transports at least on that the prison at least he could another have strong out. like what the fanfic Liv was telling us another strong swimmer mm-hmm. could help him. Yeah, <laughs> please. <laughs> but uh, I really hope I think Duncan has hinted that he'll be in season two, and I think that would make a lot of sense, especially if they're planning to like start right at the rings of. Kafreen, it would make sense that like Melchi and him would have a moment where uh like where he's going to the rings of Kathreen and Melchi's going um to pick Jin up from mm-hmm. prison. I think that would be fun to see. That, that just reminded me of the interview where Tony was like, I've said this a million times. This isn't a secret. <laughs> it's gonna end at the 
He's like so like I'm like, so done. You, I was like, did you film this scene already, Tony? <laughs> <laughs> Tony's been saving footage from like Rogue One. <laughs> it's actually just a deleted scene. They just actually refurbished it. I wouldn't. Part of me is like, yeah, because he did do reshoots. <laughs> he was actually planning. He wasn't involved in Andor, but he's like, just in case. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> he, like, sets it on some forgotten shelf in Lucasfilm somewhere, like the digital little file. Uh-huh. It's like the, like, but when Tucks he it away. when he goes to find it, he'll also accidentally find the Sky Solo kids. Yes. So true! <laughs> <laughs> and the end credit scene of Andor Season 2 will actually be the Sky Solo kids. It I feels unrelated, that. but it's not. It's not. It's okay. <laughs> It's important. Uh, anything else on Cassian or Melshi? I just, I'm, I really like their dynamic. Mm-hmm. I really like their dynamic, and I really like, like like how they flesh out this kind of like this literally like this glepshido that we see for point two seconds in Rogue One, and they give him a really deep and meaningful backstory, and you can really see their connection and how much it means for them to go to Scarif together and for them to sacrifice their lives together to the spoilers for the Andor uh, finale post credit scene, literally destroy the thing they were forced to build. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking pumped for season two. I wish, I wish they would have resolved like a little bit more. And this is getting more into the finale. Uh, I actually, I'll say that for our discussion later. <laughs> However, I would like to see, more of them and i f- i think we don't get to see them reuniting like on screen i think that's a crying shame anyways um yeah we'll move on to barracks where we mainly have the after effects of well we have marva's kind of death and then like kind of them setting up the funeral and stuff so i uh, will start with uh everyone's new favorite Oh, I'm gonna God. be real honest. I did not even know his name until I saw Savi tweeting about it, like episode four. Okay, I well, yeah, I, I, I don't think I remembered his name until like episode okay. four. So okay, yeah, I think <laughs> like, you didn't know until until this episode. I was like, okay, <laughs> no, not a, not until this episode. I, I I tweeted about this, but each time I saw somebody tweet his name, yeah, I didn't know it was him, but I'd always <laughs> jump to this character in Only Murders in the Buildings that Steve Martin played named Brazos, and so I'd always jump to that, and I just think of Steve Martin, and so now I'm, I can't get rid of that connection, but <laughs> but it did help me finally learn, oh, that's who that is, Brazo. So Brazo. true. Brazo. Yes. He just, I he looks so huggable. Mm-hmm. Like he is. Every time he gives someone a hug, I'm like, please let this man hug me. God, I'm I desperate. wish that were me. <laughs> yeah. I'm desperate. He, I, I know that like people, you know, people talk about a lot how like you can tell a lot from Star Wars characters, like uh, when you look droids. at how they treat droids. Mm-hmm. Brazo has to be the best man in the entire galaxy then because yep. the way that he treats B2 like any other person who would be mourning Marva and he takes his feelings seriously he stays in Marva's house a night because that's where B2 wants to be and that's where B2 needs to mourn he like tries to do the thing where like he kind of tries to distract them like 
oh, you know, they need your help be like, you still, you can't just shut down. Like you have to like try to help us. Like that's what, and like, he like talks about, you know, this isn't what Marvel would want. Just like, so just sweet and kind. And like, I feel like that's like a level of sympathy that like we haven't quite seen for droids before. And it wasn't even just Brazza. Like, I mean, like really the other people there too were really like supporting him, but Brazza we saw more and it's just, it's so sweet that like he, you, and you just really see like Brazza's love for, for Marva and Cassian through his treatment of B2. Um, and just like how the community of Ferrix operates on like truly this like feels like no one gets left behind because they are even not wanting B2 to get lost in the shuffle of Marva's funeral. And yeah. And also it looks like from like the life, like the livelihood of of Ferrix, they don't really need droids as much because it looks like a lot of it is like man-made or or like a lot a lot of the communities just like helping each other out humans or like any every species they're all all these live sentient species they're all working together and they're mainly the ones who are building stuff and whatnot so like to also like genuinely take care of this like droid that 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 um that they bring in as a family uh, into their community is is really a beautiful thing and um it just shows how caring Brasso is and the and the community of Ferrix is. But, yeah, because yeah. I actually can't think of another droid that we've seen on Ferrix. Yeah, I think maybe the docks, maybe, but mm-hmm. oh yeah, <laughs> the droids, those little stairs. step droids. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that's it. yeah, and especially like when, it, like what they like B two is so old too, uh-huh. and like he's clearly not as he once was he needs to charge a lot like he mm-hmm. doesn't talk as well you know all of this stuff um yeah and the care that is still given to him despite all of that in a way that like I feel like you know usually they'd be like let's deactivate him or something yeah, um, yeah. but just this this assurance that no we will take care of him because that's what Marvel would have wanted because that's what Marvel is doing mm-hmm. it's just so so sweet and I think it was so interesting finding out about Marva's death through B2 mm-hmm. not just dropping us into the scene and like but like actually like basically seeing it from his POV as someone who is a part of the Andor family because Cassian mm-hmm. couldn't be there they were basically like well he is the other family member mm-hmm. um, and I really like that decision um, yeah. I like that I think that you know um, I think it, it's interesting the way in which uh Tony kind of specifically chooses to show a lot about Cassie and in particular through his relationship with uh, droids because we have B2 and then also like K2 who is basically like mm. Diego has lived like multiple times like uh, Cassie's best friend. Um, so I really like how that is like how he shows the, how you know Cassian's own like kindness through the way that he treats and is with droids. And that opening shot, or it's not the opening, but the the shot where, or is it the opening? Okay, not the, the opening shot. Transition shot. shot. Yeah, transition it's Because yeah. right, first it's Melshi and Cassian, like ah, mm-hmm. it's hard to climb, and then it goes to Ferrix. Um, and the but the shot, the transition shot is like um, I can't tell if it's a reflection. Well, first it's his I eye, think it's but like then inside. 
Yeah, it's I like not I were. But then it's like I think it's like the it's the cup shaking on top of him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's like this moment where everything is so hazy, and it's because it's like I think it's his photoreceptor. Yeah, it's like his photo, and and so I think that just does such a good job of reflecting how unreal her death feels, how unreal Marva's death feels. Everything's so hazy and like and sort of disjointed and and discombobulated. It's like so confusing, and I think that's such a great shot to do because it just so reflects the feeling of the sudden death of Marva, which is also why it was probably because I know a lot of people. Or if I saw a few people were sad that that Marva's death wasn't shown on screen, which is totally fair. Um, but I think like even like having her death be off screen added to that feeling of unrealness. Like it just happened, mm-hmm. and now we're here. And um, and it's just uh, it's it was such a good job. It, this show does such a great job of utilizing its uh cinematography, just using every element of of filmmaking to to reflect the emotion of the scene. The cinema, yeah. sorry. <laughs> The cinematography of this episode in particular was insane. The last mm-hmm. two episodes, the cinematography was off the fucking shits. A little oh. bit so much in the in episode 10, but especially in episodes 11 and 12, some really creative cinematography. Cinema- <laughs> I did the I did the Twitter joke. Cinematography cinematography. <laughs> but regardless, I think the the choice to kind of show that uneasiness and the haziness through the eyes of B2, like uh-huh. the the choice of having it be a droid is also significant, like in the context of droids in the larger Star Wars universe, how they're always, you know, like treated or brushed off and they're usually like used for comedy or comedic beats or whatever. But humanizing B2 was, I think, also a really good um, technique that they used as like forming this community and showing how b2 has a place in that community which we really don't get a lot with droids so i think that was also a really good choice on the creative team's part yeah yeah and i also liked how um clem and marva's death buried each other because we don't actually see them we just kind of see like the aftermath of it um Mm Like Marvels, we see, but like we really see Cassie and Aaron in episode 12. But then, like, even Cassie and through like the shots where you see him like running towards the troopers. Um, and I like that. Uh, and I liked how that was reflected in that. Um, yeah. The other thing on Barracks was we briefly see Bix. That poor woman. Yeah. It's, it's like, it was hard to watch. Like, she just looked so tired mm-hmm. and just utterly beaten down. Like, she looked sick. Yeah. It was it was really disturbing. And yeah, I know, it's only makeup, whatever. But, like, that, the well, aftermath of, like, torture is something we really don't get to delve into a lot in the Star Wars universe at least at the very least in live action like we get the the they didn't even ask me any questions in empire strikes back but other than that we really don't like get into a lot of the trauma that it causes alphabet squadron actually goes into this a little bit um with erica quell and her relationship with ito yeah. the um the the reprogrammed torture droid but seeing like the direct consequences of the of imperial torture on this innocent for the purposes of this like series innocent person it's it's just really it's it it's disconcerting it was really like not 
great to look at and it made me feel like sick a little bit mm-hmm. yeah yeah and just like when she's like standing up against that wall like just with her head and she's kind of shaking like it's yeah it's so it it's i know we use it, this we use the phrase lightly most of the time but it's rough like it's yeah yeah it's and yeah like you're what you're saying i mean it's one of the most real depictions that we've seen of torture in star wars i mean even like Hera, it's kind of glossed over well mainly because what happens like after it um Mm. but i yeah and i'm really hoping what that means is in season two what we're gonna see is then what it takes to heal from that like what it means for bix to kind of find her way back to feeling I don't know if you can ever feel safe, like, I mean, in the thing, but, like, feeling like herself again, recovering from that, dealing, handling with, like, the PTSD and of it, I'd really like to see that, um, and I think it's what, you know, I think it would make her character arc really good, kind of finding a way back to peace, and then finding a way back to, like, how do you live your life after experiencing that, especially because she's also now, oh, never mind, I won't get into that, because it's episode 12, <laughs> but just, like, you know, how do you live your life after that, do you go back to, does she go back to what she was doing, helping the rebellion? Does she just try to find peace in other things? Does she fully join the rebellion and try to like have their protection? Like it's, you know. And both choices at this point are completely feasible. Like I can completely see how this torture would either push her further into the rebellion or push her away from it in that she doesn't want to go through this again. She doesn't want to cause others to go through it again. Then she just, Mm -hmm kind of like Han at this point in time after defecting from the Empire um, like j- she just tries to find her place in the galaxy but even then she could get roped into it even more um, but yeah any other thoughts on Bix or yeah the only other thing is I was like and the thing is like you can't really blame her either, either way yeah exactly. um, either way feels like you know because I feel like it's like the one character where I'm like you deserve to make like it's like she's one of those characters in Star Wars she deserves to make the selfish choice if she wants to because yeah. of what she's been through and yeah. I would I would if she wants to make that I appreciate that mm-hmm. please do <laughs> heal mm. yeah any other thoughts on Bix or Ferrix? we can I think we'll get into Ferrix more in our next episode yeah that's what I was but, thinking too yeah, yeah but the community, the way they set up the community to kind of come to to kind of really come to fruition in episode 12 is something that's really well done. And again, we'll get into more um, in our next episode. But the power of community is something that really is understated in a lot of media. And the power of community, at the very least in this episode, it really shows you how tightly knit they are and how close they are and how much of an impact they have on each other especially because there's like all these people that are coming to clean out marva's house after her death um it's it's really powerful also that them being like oh they mix the ashes with uh the brick and knowing that like cassie and like the whole thing is like jim is able to return to like basically stardust mm. and Cassian is able to return to ashes and like the tradition or not tradition but like mm. but knowing that he, he is ashes but he will never be made a brick mm-hmm. on Ferrix. Yeah it's uh but Tell I mean, me, right. 
But he actually like, drowned. I mean, you're he, actually drowned. he actually drowned. <laughs> I, like, he I don't actually know if you heard, drowned. but he actually drowned. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he actually drowned. That's oh, never. God. That's never going away. Never, <laughs> and it's never not funny. <laughs> uh, next, we'll move on to Coruscant, where a lot happened this episode. I did not. I forgot how much happened on Coruscant. Um, yeah. First, we'll start briefly with Dedra, because there's not much with her. Mm-hmm. Hashtag to be honest, I don't remember what happened. Was it she just like the she, was she at the ISB for like point two seconds? Yeah, okay. she basically that's just finds out, and she's that. like, "I'm coming to Ferrix. Let the funeral happen." And it's like, "Ooh, shit's gonna go yeah. down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not gonna looking good for Ferrix." Oh, oh, girl boss Dedra is gonna roll up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I think that was it. That was all. That was all she did. But she, um, she's a very interesting character. She, she is. Yeah, I. It's um, how to watching her uh, watching her growth in the ISB has been very uh fascinating. I'm and I don't want to, I don't want to speak too much on the funeral funeral finale. Um, but like I'm interested to see where she's going from that point forth. Definitely. But the lengths she's willing to go uh is really fascinating, but scary. And it's mm-hmm. uh, and I feel like uh, we, I don't know, just her de- her determination is so, it's like her greatest asset and like the scariest thing about her. It's it's such mm-hmm. a it's yeah that that's yeah that yeah. so she found out about the funeral, letting it happen, and the fact that she's willing to do such a crazy thing during a funeral is um, quite spooky. Yeah, it's scary. Talk about that. It's the same thing with. Cyril like the determination that he has is Mm -hmm. could both be and like when Tony talks about like his ideology being undecided you really see this like it could be a great asset to him or it could really be like what causes him to fully turn and it's the same thing like it's him being so like obsessed with Cassian that he Uh tells a person he used to work with to give him updates on Uh like what could possibly happen to him and then yeah like going to the funeral i'll be real edie deserved to have her money stolen so true <laughs> that's you on really her did. Huh. she deserved that i'm on i'm on Cyril's side with that one that's fair that's fair even though i don't quite understand why that man doesn't have his own savings account because he looks like a man who definitely does he, he looks like a crypto bro yeah yeah he does crypto he, 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 he spent all of his savings on crypto. That's why yeah. he had to steal from his mom. Um, he even he matters, somebody the... said somebody also said that she takes his money because she doesn't trust him to spend it on his own. Oh my and God. that's yes. another thing that I like yeah. fully believe. Absolutely. He, he just spends like he... it all on ISB NFTs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love this Ularin like, NFT. She's definitely like, well, you know, like I have to take it and I'll be taking some out for rent. And food. Oh my god. And you're taking <laughs> <laughs> hives. Hives. <laughs> like she's definitely that mom. Like yeah. I'll take, and I'll take it out. And she's like paying the entire rent with like a his. <laughs> <laughs> what does she do? Does she have a job? It's very unclear. I don't think so. But I don't she, know. Like, like she, I don't, it's so she makes the cereal. 
She lives on Coruscant <laughs> and has some very, very nice clothes. So the, the dots are not connecting here. I don't know. Maybe like Cyril is the breadwinner. I don't know. Like <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Like based on their like weird relationship, I would not be surprised if he's the breadwinner and then she like spends all his money if you're picking up and put him down. Yeah. yeah, it's just I was like I was like maybe what was in his secret box that I was like I was like ahead of whole theory where I was like he's just stealing that like that was in his box and she stole it and he's like that's my uh-huh. my theory. I mean, I can relate. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's he actually fun. has a secret bank account and credit card that he had to set up without his mom's permission. <laughs> Yeah, he's like the issue is she said he said it that all his funds when she was six when he was sixteen, so she had to be a co-signer and now she has access yeah. to all his accounts. <laughs> so true. So true. Anyway. Pathetic uh, banking boy Cyril Lacard. She had a lot of jewelry in there too. I was like, that's kind of some fancy stuff. Uh, I'm so curious as to what Cyril's dad did, especially because they had yeah. this whole like apparently um Kyle and Catherine basically came up with this whole like kind of head canon about how uh like the dad left them and like there's kind of this thing of so like Cyril is like and she feels like a lot of resentment that comes out towards uh Cyril yeah and I definitely think that like through that I was like oh I bet he looks a lot like his dad then and that's yeah. also yeah. what causes the there's um so there's i'm watching this show called baskets right now with zach alifanakis and um there's this so he has a twin and it's just played by zach alifanakis also and in the first season so their dad um he's dead but uh he they show a photo uh a family portrait of them and the dad is just also played by zach alifanakis <laughs> so i really hope the dad at some point we see a photo of him it's just kyle solar also <laughs> So Kyle Solar with his with a bunch beard. of wrinkles uh. and like yeah, like but it's, but it's not even like good wrinkles. It's like the stage makeup they put on high schoolers when they uh. have to play old people in plays. Uh. And they like you look at you like exactly like your father. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Kyle Solar. <laughs> oh my god. Um, next we have Clea. Leia, I forget who tweeted this, but her and Bell's little verbal sparring match, ex-girlfriend energy, like truly, absolutely, the vitriol with which she spoke to her, like that's some, those are some bitter exes right there. Mm-hmm. Here's there's here's my theory on it. Her and Bell were together before Aldani, and they were like, well, mm-hmm. clearly we got to break up. It'll be five months. We'll break up. Bell and Sita got together on Aldani. So Clea is very bitter about the entire thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she's like, and I also have like the personal theory that like uh Vel is was lover, it's a lover like lovey in like the Shuta's relationship. She's like a better girlfriend and Clay is bitter. Mm-hmm. Or no, what what's the, the Taylor Swift lyric? Um it's the um I can't remember which one it was. <sighs> But there's one maybe, that's like maybe if you started listening to her. Shut up. Listen. Okay. <laughs> Confession time for the Swifties in the room. Y100 has been playing Lavender Haze and 
What's the other one? Antihero on the radio? Antihero is a good one. I'm I'm considering Say it, say it out loud. Say it. I'm considering listening to Taylor to Midnight. Yes! Okay. Yes. <laughs> but there's, there's two more weeks and I'll put it on in my car <laughs> and you'll be forced. <laughs> oh, that'll be after our uh Taylor Swift episode too, so Liv will be particularly Lord. diabolical. <laughs> oh yes. This this is a Swifty side note, but I'm in the Trojan marching band thing, and our next show we're playing Antihero. I was so excited. <laughs> I caught it. Your marching band is iconic. Wait, no, tuning it's a Mitski song. It's a Mitski song. Okay, so oh. not it's... even close. <laughs> no, okay. no, I was mixing them up because they're both on my balance playlist. Okay, but it's the um. The uh the song I think it's there's nothing left for you off of Mitski's album Lush I think and it's like give her all the love you didn't give to me or something like that like there we go no Mitski Mitski has some bangers and they're all about balances they're all about self loathing but anyways <laughs> anyways uh bitter exes but I do love how like she had her like uh it was like you know you have now I have always. I have all the spinning plates and knives on the ground, and I'm like, fuck. Okay. <laughs> I was like, are you doing, I feel like you're at this point, Clea is like doing 90% of the work, and Lufin's doing 10. She yeah. really, really is. She's the backbone of that little antique shop. Uh, yeah. Like, I, she's the one, she's the one restoring the artifacts. She's the one cleaning yeah, I was like, the artifacts. She's the one setting cleaning- shit up. Yeah. <laughs> leaving coins while she has to worry about the rebellion like girl Luthen, Luthen actually knows how to do it but she had to watch bomb partner restorations on how to do it if you guys know that if you guys know i'm obsessed with bomb restorations that's like a very niche topic but those videos scratch an itch in my brain when he takes off that linseed oil delicious <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, I, I need sorry no 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 go ahead Man, oh i was just that's... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was just i was just gonna say i i need to know how clan uh and luthan met like what their relationship is the funny thing about this show is that there are so many characters and relationships i would love to see like comics of or get more background yes. on but at the same time, at the same time, I'm like, I kind of like the mystery. But at the same time, Star Wars is so like, we get a backstory, we get a backstory, yeah. which is fun. It's like fun both ways. I, lo- I love, mm-hmm. I want to see a Luthan like origin story, him him and, and Clay's like meeting. I love to get comic series for like every single one. But at the same time, I do love like the little head cannons that they talk about in their mm-hmm. in their interviews yeah. where they're just like, yeah, we think he did this and this. Because you can tell that ha- that helps with their acting. They're creating it not for like lore, but they're more like trying to get into the character's head, which I love. Yeah love that so much yeah like i yeah like we were saying like you know with uh with andy's it felt like it you know did so much to like motivate his character and then the 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 serial and edie one like the karn family like that did so much when you like understand you're like oh like yeah that was just to get that like good uh dynamic between the two of you um but i would i would love to see i think luthan like i bet be a character where i kind of be okay never like getting luthan's full backstory yeah yeah he's getting bits and pieces but i'd love to get like at least like 
I like to get like Clea's backstory and like, and then we see like mm. her and then we see where Luthen comes into it and you kind of yeah. find out a little more about him, but you're like never fully sure what he's doing, especially given yeah. like, we, we, it does seem like she's, he's more honest with um, Clea, but especially given he never seems to tell anyone the full truth. Mm. I don't think that anyone knows Luthen's backstory in full except for Luthen. So I think it'd be interesting in season two or like if we ever see him anywhere else, it's like, we're getting pieces of him through other characters, but never mm. through never. him. So you're kind of yeah. trying to cobble his story together just through what other people know about him. And and like not learning his like concrete origin or whatever is so Luthen. Like he's such yeah. a man of mystery. He's a man of stories. A man of stories. Like nothing is true. Nothing is real. Nothing is fake. It's so wonderful. Like yeah, like never getting a comic of him, I would totally be fine with because that's just so him. It, it's it's. Mm-hmm. It, I feel like especially with Luthen, it's so much fun not knowing everything about him. Like mm-hmm. when like those lines of like I was damn nineteen years ago. Like I yeah. Whoa, whoa! It's so it's it's it's. Ins- but I I love that idea. The one of Clea getting getting a series. And then we of, see yeah. Then we see Luthen. We don't have to get everything about because I'm so fascinated by Clea. Like, what is she doing? How did she start hanging out with Luthen? Like, what? It's so interesting. But how yeah. Do you- Luth- how does Luthen learn to trust this one random like 20 year old girl so deeply yeah because it's and I don't even think it's an exaggeration to say she's 20 because that's Elizabeth is like 25 I think that they're trying to play her as like a 25 year old girl (laughs) Uh like this is some people thought um I remember before we knew uh Vel was related to uh Mon Mothma some people were theorizing that Luthen was her dad right Mm-hmm. yeah like could Clea be his daughter possibly I don't know because like because yeah she's so young and he trusts her so deeply but it would be more interesting if they weren't related I think I, I feel like, like, if, I like, a like a war yeah I see it as like a gin and saw situation where like yes, yeah he got her when she was young so yes. they've been together for a long time but uh-huh. like and that's why that trust is there. But like yeah. they are like related. And, and that's their so cover cl- is just she's her assistant versus yeah. Saws, which is like she's my daughter. And that's like so classic Star Wars. If this disgruntled, like quiet old man takes in a young uh kid who brightens him up just a little bit he's still disgruntled nowadays but like but that would be so star wars that'd be so star wars too well and it'd be so interesting to see in season two of like there's a moment where like clea is in trouble and we see luthan worrying about her and like knowing that maybe he she is kind of his one soft spot almost is like Uh he cares about her more than just because of what she does for Uh him but like i'm gonna kill you hayden hayden do not say it (laughs) this is so bad it's a canelia cottage (laughs) (laughs) i I just i i just thought like if that was a ward situation what and and he's close with saw what if clea and Jin ever like hung out as kids when they first when they were first taken in just like if they knew each other that'd be so interesting it's Uh like you know when you go to the grocery store and your mom meets her friend but then her friend has a kid uh-huh. And like you just like mm-hmm. hang out together while uh-huh. your moms are chatting. Like that's uh-huh. kind of like what Luthen and Saw yeah. have with Jin. And yeah. yeah, and it'd be so cool because like, uh, like 
Clay would be a little bit older than Jin. Uh-huh. So it would be like kind of this thing where like the other person's like Big Jin, sister. Jin is trying to like impress her because like she's the cool girl with Luthan and she's yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> Look at how I can shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Look at how I can forge. <laughs> Good. No, she teaches Clay how to forge. <gasps> this is how I this is this Very is how smart. Rebel Rising enjoyers win. I haven't even read Rebel Rising yet. <laughs> this is how they're yes. Uh Vel. I feel like we need to talk about all of the Mothmas together. Because yeah, that's, no, that's the, what I had. Fucking, I kinda had okay. the rest of them, but I, I we did have that moment with Vel in oh, the yeah, yeah. shops. That's why I wanted to go to her oh, yeah. first so we could transition into the Mothma clan. <laughs> <laughs> But she said, I like, she's going back to Farrick's funeral, mm. uh, which is nice and very, yeah, once again, very bitter exes. The way she's like, yeah. she's like, I, and I already checked in the back and his ship is gone. I'm like, damn, okay. <laughs> like, she wanted to cover all her bases. She was like, I'm not being lied to today. I'm not getting the run around. <laughs> so true. Honestly, she- shame. She seems done. I was like, I don't yeah. know how much longer she's gonna last in this cell. She's over it. She does not want to be here. <laughs> she really doesn't. Uh, but yeah, we'll switch to go into her showing up at the uh the Bothma house and being bombarded by religious trauma. Let me tell you, when I heard that chanting, I, I thought there was something wrong with my TV. That was scary. I was not expecting that to have a bunch of, a bunch of children chanting in my living room at 12.15 in the morning. So very, very jump scare. Did not appreciate that. Yeah, that that whole scene was really interesting. The the way we're getting... Um, shoot, I'm blanking on it. Chandrilla, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The way we're getting like more... I, I just love it i laugh whenever i say this word i love the word but lore on chandrilla <laughs> um it's so fascinating because it's not at all what i was expecting like yeah i i imagined it's similar to alderaan where it's almost mm-hmm. like semi-paradise like this like beautiful place for like i don't know all your dreams come true or so, just something like peaceful <laughs> just like like alderaan or or kind of Naboo-ish I guess but like mm-hmm. like those three planets I always held in like this sort of like similar arena but it's so interesting to see that like um I think somebody actually brought it up on maybe Twitter or something where it seems like there is a sect of like progressive Chandrillians but also some like super traditionalist Chandrillians and so um it's just super interesting to hear these little uh, tidbits about that world without like a huge exposition dump or something like we're getting this naturally flowing like l- like lore on the on the planet that's super fascinating and and um yeah to see it in a house divided too is super like super yeah. interesting yeah and I will give it to Perrin it is uh, I'll give it to him he's progressive at least because he's like, <laughs> you know they're like oh is Perrin making her do this and she's like no he doesn't care like this uh-huh. is like not something that he cares about but oh yeah it's so interesting to see and like mom Mothma talks about you know it's stronger here than it was mm-hmm. there um and I feel like that says a lot like I know that some people brought it up but like kind of this like um what some immigrant children experience from like when they're disconnected kind of like mm-hmm. when they're in the diaspora kind of trying to connect 
back to their culture um especially because in a lot of ways they have it and sometimes they haven't experienced like the more um negative side of it or even like I've seen recently I guess some girls on TikTok are getting real into Catholicism uh and kind of doing this like very like uh, devout Catholicism thing and like that to me is so weird because like as a person who grew up in the Catholic church like it's so weird that like it's romanticized it's romanticized or people would be like oh yeah I would like like also this is not to say if you're like a catholic convert i'm not trying to like shit on you but like it is interesting for me in the same way that it was like for you know one mothman val to like see that and be like oh because like especially like val had such a, a reaction to it and i wonder how much of that too is linked to like the same thing with um the husband thing and like kind of her romantic attraction if that's like something that is also really built into it that like uh it is it's hard you know she was told and taught through that that she should be and feel a certain way and she didn't want to um so also seeing Lita have to go through that but also not even go through that but like voluntarily put herself through that um interesting it's yeah the look that when Leda finally gets out of her lesson that she gives Mon Mothma before hugging Vel, like that like look of not even just like disgust, but like a like a like a poisonous glance, you know? Yeah. Like just like a stare. It that shit hurted, man. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I don't know what it was about that like single look, but it was so I can't even put into words. It was it was just it, super sad, and it wasn't even for a reason. Yeah, yeah. she just yeah. like yeah. she's just mean to her mom. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if there's like this. I feel like now that we're doing it, like there's this resentment there of her not being on Chandrilla, like in the same way that like oh, you know we we yeah. see that she like found because she found the elder and like she found her friends that wanted to do it. Um, and then also like her general excitement at seeing Val as like a, you know, just like as her aunt and like a family member. Like, I do wonder if like there is resentment for taking her away from, or not even like, maybe she's only cause like, you know, Mon Mothma and Parent have said they've been on Coruscant since they were married that like, you know, not ever getting a chance to be there and being mm-hmm. separated from her family and that culture, um, yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at that I have like a split screen on and I and I just pulled up that scene where uh it happened. Yeah, um the look that you were talking about, I yeah, it's so subtle. It's so mm-hmm. subtle the the resentment she has for her. Exactly. And it's uh I really like that point you brought up with the Chandrilla thing, especially with um with how engaged she is in these in these uh practices yeah she definitely want to be home and yeah that adds a i think rewatching it that's gonna add a whole new layer like with mm-hmm. the dinner table reactions like she'd rather be on chandrilla than coruscant and mm-hmm. um oh, yeah it's such a complex relationship yeah and then when you think about too like how she's been like like both of her parents too because we do know that parent is also hosting these dinner parties she's forced to play like this part of like you know their their 
nice child at these dinner parties when like that's probably not what she wants to do either and how that resentment can grow mm-hmm. um but then it is interesting how in the same way where you know Mothma mentions that Perrin is not someone who's pushing for that then why how then it's interesting how that resentment only seems to come towards Mothma despite the fact that Perrin yeah. is also at least yeah. partially involved in that like he didn't make her do that it was uh-huh. he also was okay not having her you know participate in those traditions uh-huh. i think the reason why most of the resentment jesus i think the reason most of the resentment falls on mon is because she's a senator and it's because yeah. she took the job mm-hmm. of being a senator that she took Leda or Leda, Leda, i don't know uh Leda away from the possibility of living like a more traditional um life on chandrilla surrounded by all those customs and her family and everything mm. and everything like that so i think that resentment is definitely placed more towards her parent obviously have some blame too but it's mostly placed towards her because she took the role of being a senator so young she had her so young you know just uh-huh. everything regarding that decision and 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 also another interesting thing is uh, she when Mon Mothma brings up it's stronger on Coruscant than on Chandrilla. Like would yeah. would Leda even be happy if she went back if they weren't as into doing all this kind of stuff back mm-hmm. there? But at the same time, it's still like fair of her to be like I I want to be home. She mm-hmm. her to yeah. be upset, but like the resentment is so gut wrenching to see yeah it's so gut-wrenching and then like and it's funny because like you think too like yeah it's like you know it's stronger there but like you see the way that Mon Mothma and Val react and like imagine the ways that they've been hurt by it like because we've seen it pretty directly with I mean Val clearly is very resistant to it both because she said you did it like she Uh seems like she was resistant to it from and her childhood as well but then like you know Mon Mothma's whole marriage to Perrin like the ways in which it, it has hurt them and it's interesting too how Lita doesn't see that, like the mm-hmm. tradition of arrangement. I mean, I guess it's like, you know, the mm-hmm. teenage thing, but like so caught up in like, you know, that that like she doesn't see the ways in which like traditions like m- hurt her parents, but neither yeah. of them are happy in that marriage. And it was yeah. because of the traditions that they even got married. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't think just before we move on, I don't think anybody has brought up yet genevieve Borelli's acting in that scene how you can just see her like finally like that mask start to crack and you can finally see the like real true broken emotional mon mothma because she has to watch her daughter go through that entire process of what she of of what she had to do with perrin and i'm i'm positive i know for a fact that it's bringing up a lot of regrets and like second guessing herself and like what if i didn't marry perrin would i be in a different place would i still even be a senator would i still have you know a Mm. child like Leda? it's just just phenomenal i i talked about her a lot um just throughout this series but genevieve o'reilly's acting was a standout for me i was not expecting to go into this show um not falling in like falling in love with my mom i've already i've been pretty like chill about her and like just her character but this really added a new dimension to her and what we see of her in original trilogy content that's not return of the jedi mm-hmm. yeah and even that moment I, you just felt for her so much when she turns to val and she says i'm in <sighs> such trouble like god and that's just i'm like i'm glad that she it's nice to see that I do like that they're showing how so many characters, you know, even though they feel so alone, like 
in a lot of ways they do have someone like like at least Mon Mothma when she feels so isolated and alone at least she does have you know Val to to be someone who not only understands the her struggle as a rebel but like the specific struggles with you know her daughter and what it means to be away from home and like that kind of stuff mm. yeah and um and I think like at least in the books a lot of the time uh, Mon Mothma is kind of portrayed as like this almost like heavenly figure I yeah. think like they come mm-hmm. to her like people come to her and she like gives this wise advice and she she is a very wise person like she she was able to put all this or i don't she yeah but a lot of times she's like very like just like a heavenly person that people come to and like Mm -hmm. it's it's cool to see like to like hone in on her and like see the struggles that she had to go through through all this and um yeah like uh like you said like um i feel like this is the most in-depth we've seen of mon mothma since the original trilogy and it's really it's I, I'm really liking like watching how she deals with this out because it's harder for her to make these sacrifices than like um, Luthen or Saw. Saw or I mean they still struggle, but Luthen kind of leans more towards like willing to sacrifice the thirty. But at the same time, I guess he's not as connected to them. But she has more like personal sacrifices she has to mm-hmm. make, mm-hmm. and to see that struggle is very fascinating. Like that sacrifice of like her daughters very hard to go through it's uh it's really interesting to see it's different kind of sacrifices they all have like really tough sacrifices to make and it's interesting to see this kind of sacrifice on such a personal home family manner that has to do with the rebellion mm-hmm. yes yeah mm-hmm. yeah because i feel like yeah like we don't really i mean you kind of see it with bale and brea but not mm-hmm. as much but also because like you know they're they're hiding from Leia, but their relationship is so different in the way that, you know, they have each other to uh, confide in and they have Leia who loves them and always like looks up to them in a way that like is, yeah, it's not present with Lita. So like, it is what you're saying. Like she has a very different sacrifice to make one that even, you know, another person with a family leading the rebellion can't necessarily relate to. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, just reflecting on like back on what I said, I, no, yeah, because Luthen, obviously, he had that whole speech about sacrifice, like, that amazing speech speech about. Uh, so I didn't mean to, like, downplay the other sacrifices. No. But, like, no, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's it's really, it's just, like, really interesting to see this new kind of sacrifice, like, such a personal yeah. family it's, manner. There's a different type of sacrifice of someone who, you know, the way that Mon Mothma and Dale do the rebellion versus the way that Saw and Luthen do it. There's different yeah. sacrifices that come with that. And you're right, like, we haven't seen someone like Mothma. Like, we've seen a lot of the sacrifices that people like Luthen and Saw make, but we mm-hmm. haven't seen as much the ones that someone like Mothma would go through. Right, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other Mon Mothma family thoughts? Uh, with that, that's like a keep girl boss. That's it. Yes. But that's for so next true. episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with that, we'll go on to uh, we'll do Saw and then Luthen because he had that big thing at the end. Um, so we'll go and we'll just talk about like Saw and Luthen because we did see Saw again in this episode. I forgot. <laughs> it's uh i the show has done saw guerrero really well i think um once again i appreciate how 
so far, I mean, I guess we, it's over, but I, but so far they have not done this thing where like he comes in and they're like, he's the extremist rebel. He, <laughs> he's like, and, and like I've talked about before, like um, there's something to be said about the fact that like in this portrayal, they, unlike some other portrayals done by some other people, go through lengths to show, you know, this, uh, you know, the devotion of his partisans, how close they are with him, how they are willing to follow him and um, believe in his cause. Like they believe in the cause, but they also believe in Saul. Um, And I think like that is such simple things that really can shift a view of his character. Um, But I also think here, you know, you see a lot this, the frantic energy that Saul can have and the parent and the way his paranoia can can affect him you know when we see like he has this twist of like no I'm actually worried I'm gonna do this mission with Anton and then you kind of see this flip to like would you sacrifice me like he mm-hmm. you know I feel like it's like Saul's mind is always moving um and it's almost it almost goes like too fast sometimes I think for him to like and he just doesn't have that time to like sit down and process everything um and I think that influences a lot of his actions like he has to make something uh he has to make decisions so fast that he doesn't have time and then I think that adds to like his the perception people have of him um but like yeah I think you saw some of that paranoia creeping in especially based on like you know Luthan's like I could have someone here watching you and it was like it's tubes and tubes like also, why did you do tubes like that? He didn't do anything. Yeah. I was just about to say, he threw two tubes under the goddamn bus. Uh-huh. <laughs> he was like, hello? <laughs> but clearly, clearly they cleared up. He's he's okay. Clearly, yeah. they're, they're, back, they're back to it. Um, he's all good. But like the ways in which, and I don't think Luthen even, in, I know people like are like, oh, I think it was tubes. So I don't even think Luthen fully know, knew the extent to Saw's paranoia or how bad it had gotten recently mm-hmm. because of events with Jin and like people finding out her identity and then trying to use that against them um but yeah this is just another really great performance by Forrest Whitaker and I hope he comes back for season two I hope I would love for them to just give Saw his own project honestly mm-hmm. and I, I would actually like for it to be live action but like I think Forrest is just he's he plays this role so well mm-hmm. and he does it usually with just so little screen time but he always becomes one of like the most memorable parts of like any project that he is in mm-hmm. oh yeah i no yeah i really like that whole scene especially since we saw we saw saw um uh and <laughs> we how <laughs> we see saw <laughs> um who we saw how he uh we saw how saw like uh dealt with uh dealt with this this sacrifice like him debating in his mind if he's willing to let these 30 men die and how even after all these years of a fight he's still struggling with um whether he's willing to let this let things happen for the greater good or not in the end he decides for the greater good but it's still fascinating to see him go would you do this to me and like how how you can see that's not just I feel that is I I I could see yeah that is also paranoia but I feel like that's also an empathy thing like him going Mm -hmm. like like 
we're in this fight we've been working close together and and so like it's like a mix of paranoia and like this guy's been with us we've been together and so like why are we doing and then uh Luthen goes on that whole thing of well he doesn't know anything about me so we can like and he's like oh so because i have something against you and then that's dives into more paranoia but i feel like it, it was so interesting to see this um to see this uh struggle with saw with uh how willing he was to or with how with him deciding how willing he was going to be with this sort of sacrifice with this sacrifice yeah and i think what people miss with saw is like saw is he's willing to sacrifice himself yes but i don't think he Mm -hmm. ever willingly wants to sacrifice his partisans or the other rebels just to get to the empire um he cares about you know the people that he's fighting with and he cares about Mm -hmm them being able to continue to fight the empire yes he is willing to sacrifice i think more than most people when it comes to defeating the empire Mm -hmm. but not with the people that he works with so yeah i think that's what you're saying like it is it's hard i think for him to look and say like i don't think saw would have ever made the decision to to so casually sacrifice i think that would have been something that he tried to avoid at all costs Mm -hmm. because i think the end he doesn't want that and i do think saw at least i think saw also sees like you know for us to defeat the empire like it can't just be him like i know he does end up losing mm-hmm. the rebel alliance but like he i think like saw is smart he does know that like it's gonna take more than just him to defeat the mm-hmm. empire and you know i'm sure yeah like for luthan to kind of just sacrifice someone like that is like oh well but we could have used him uh-huh yeah and and I feel like that's closer to what his downfall is, is his, is the paranoia making him isolate himself. Like that's mm-hmm. what more his downfall is than people saying like, oh, he went too dark or whatever. It's him closing himself off from the community when he got too paranoid sort of. Yeah. Well, it also it's like, to be fair, mm-hmm. this is just founding that like, Saw's paranoia doesn't come out of nowhere. Like, right, right. Was, yeah, yeah. Somebody did betray him and try uh-huh. to expose Jin or so's thing. There was another person, like, there were people who knew her identities. Like, did you could say he overacts, yes, but like, his paranoia oh, is yeah. not for nothing. It's valid. And like, uh-huh. I think it's the same thing that this always established. Like, yeah, like, you have to be like, if, if in the back of his mind now, he always has like in the Rebel Alliance, like, oh, well, are they just going to try to sacrifice me and my partisan uh-huh. for their own gain? Uh-huh. Because that's yeah, what Luthan did yeah. with Anton Krieger. How do I know that he's not gonna they're not gonna do it with me? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just thought that he's in a mood was very funny. He's in a mood, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was very funny. Um anything else on Saw? I had I can't recall. I had something else, okay. but I forgot. If it comes back to you, you can say it. But now we'll go on to Luthen and his run-in with the Empire. The cinematography in that was beautiful. That was crazy. It is insane. Slay. 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 Oh, I... oh, go ahead. No, go. Oh, okay. So, in the solo deleted scenes... We see uh, one of the same cruisers that's apparently a Cantwell-class cruiser, which is very obviously a reference to somebody. Um, We see a cruiser of that exact make and model 
when Han Solo saves Lieutenant Dree, which is one of the Dree twins, who I can never remember which one is which, um, he gets kicked out of the Empire for saving um, one of the Dree twins. So, six Star Wars story reference in a project about a Star Wars story. Very much appreciated that. Thank you, Tony Gilroy. Tony! Tony! It was so Tony. cool seeing, like, Luthan, like, his, the simultaneous, like, trying to, like, appease the Empire, like, trying to still play, like, oh, I'm just looking, no, don't do that, while also, like, getting ready to attack them. Yeah. Totally obliterate them. Yeah. It's so Poe in Last Jedi coded. Yeah. He's so... I'm obsessed with him. I've, I loved seeing the Fondor in action. That yeah. ship is so goddamn Is that what it's cool. called? <laughs> yeah, the, the Fondor. Fondor. That's interesting. No, yeah, that ship is so interesting. Like, the, the droid that helps him get a new mm-hmm. identity or, or, or all that kind of stuff. And then the, the lasers that shoot out from... The fucking or, lightsabers. Yeah, people, <laughs> the lightsaber ship. It's, um, it's super interesting. Uh, Luthan as a whole fascinates me but i don't want to learn more about him but i want to learn more about him mm-hmm. i i don't think exactly. he's a force user i don't think he's a force user what from what i've been seeing no i saying. don't think he is no yeah i yeah i don't think tony because i know people are like oh he'll be a jedi i don't think that he would do that i think no it's possible like sorry tony gilbert like... does not give a fuck about jedi i'm very <laughs> sorry i was like if anything he could be like a believer in the force in some way like the guardians yeah. of the wills are or um he's probably not so much like past the open hand stuff but uh <laughs> he's but, like, definitely I, not like han or so, in the no, beginning I, of a new hope yeah. yeah i think i think if if luthan like it would make sense to me that like especially since he would have like a bunch of he'd probably be familiar with jedi artifacts and if he lived on Coruscant before uh-huh. uh the clone or like during the clone wars um like i could definitely see him being a believer in the force but i think yeah, I think it would be in a different way in the same way that, like, I think Tony Gil really likes to bring in the Force. Uh, it's clear that, like, with Rogue One and or, like, the Force is brought in in, like, different ways. It's, like, through the Kyber Crystals or through, like, Chewie yeah. and Baze, the Guardians of the Wills, and, like, the whole Jetta stuff. Huh. Um, and I really and, like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it would be cool, you know, when you have a character like Luthen who, like, is seen like that, and then you learn, like, he has, like, some, he has, like, this belief in, like, this kind of higher power mm-hmm. but so not like, necessarily like the way the jedi do yeah. yeah no but like yeah like it's almost like his like i see it almost like his belief in the force like similar to like his like be- a belief in god yeah mm-hmm. yeah i maybe this is sorry this is popped into my head but because because his outfit this is a bit of a jump but his outfit in episode 12 reminds me so much of porter angles the blade <gasps> Uh, yes. you're so no, I, right. I actually i thought that uh-huh. yeah and, and so that. like Duh. what if like he he works with all these artifacts he's like looking through it and he's like this porter angle dude is so cool, so <laughs> so so cool. i love this outfit Luthen rail canon porter angle stan yes <laughs> but like <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised if like through yeah yeah you're right like looking through the artifacts working with these artifacts so closely like i'm sure he stumbled upon jedi stuff and he like he agrees with some philosophy probably he he definitely is like oh yeah the force is real the force is real mm-hmm. but um yeah and I, it'd be interesting to see if he has like any like like with the sacrifice thing if he has any sort of mini like or maybe like a resentment towards the force like because i always love that conversation of like free will and like 
um and like how the force decides what happens and like everything's meant to be like i i'd love to see if like he's like kind of pissed at the force for making me have to like choose this sacrifice but you know it's the way it's the way the force works. He, if i wonder if he's like a person who's like if yeah. if it will be as it, it is what be. it is yeah it is what it is <laughs> or if he's like oh i hate the force because of that it would also or to be cool if like he had this belief in the force and then maybe like after so many years it's kind of becomes this thing where like he lost it or it's like he resents mm. it in a way yeah mm-hmm. yeah he um, still believes in it yeah yeah he yeah. still believes but it's like kind of this resentment like an old testament god mm. <laughs> he resents it <laughs> but yeah the fondor is cool Mm. Lights, more lightsabers on ships. I feel like Luthen so must true. be the why. I feel like Luthen must be the only ship, and the Fonder is gonna get destroyed, and that's why we've never seen that so again. <laughs> but um, yeah, that that entire scene. I was also thinking that entire fight sequence, the the flying stuff, just the way the blue of the oh. like atmosphere or whatever came up it was beautiful. so good the whole thing was i was so like beautiful. they were fighting and at the same time i was like this is gorgeous this is just gorgeous it was um it was such a good sequence stellan skarsgård i'm so glad if that he's in star wars and that he has this role yeah, yeah. Like, this is the role i want to see it's it's perfect it's so interesting yeah mm-hmm. i'm definitely glad they made him a rebel i think he could have like he could have done a villain really well but i think seeing him as this rebel is like so cool and then i feel like you get to really see the full spectrum of like what he can do yeah yeah he gives In- a hell of a speech it's god yeah <laughs> um if, if it's one thing the older actors are gonna do in star wars it's give a speech give a speech <laughs> <It's> so true <laughs> Forest, Stellan, uh, uh, Fiona, um, mm-hmm. Kenny Circus, like so true. Uh-huh. Uh, any other thoughts on this episode? The Tie the Fighters are. Sick. Oh yeah. The Tie Fighters, like I saw someone say that it was um, exactly like how the Tie Fighters used to like spin out and blow up in the (laughs) game. I thought that was freaking awesome. Uh, More Tie Fighters blowing up in Star Wars, please. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Sorry, what were you gonna say? Kind of interrupted you. Oh no, no worries. I I, Tie Fight more Tie Fighters blowing up is always. No, pushing for that all the time. It's so fun to see. get one wing clipped off. Wait, I don't want to go on a tangent, but when I saw this is such a tangent tangent. Can I Yes, can but this is the podcast but, for that. We this, yeah, we love tangents. That one bounty hunters uh issue where I think it was Valance who crashed into the um the top of the Star Destroyer like do you know what I'm talking about? The yeah, with, wait, the X-Men? with the the artist, right? It was the um, new artist, and he had to go find the guy that was... inspired him to join the Empire. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, that okay. one. yeah, when he was working for the Empire, like I, in my mind, I, whenever I'm like imagining Star Wars things, like stories, like I'm creating in my head or whatever, I've always wanted to see that. And when I saw that in Bounty Hunters, I was like, yeah. <laughs> this is like the tangent of tangents but like i was so excited Ethan's brain is so big yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um but anyway sorry so like last thoughts on episode can this be about like anything we'll do episode yeah. 11 yes anything. Oh, episode 11 yeah okay so we were 
uh, we did a little thing on Cyril. I wanted to actually like talk a bit because Cyril fascinates me too. He's like on the same mm. level as Luthan fascinating me because um, from the way uh, Kyle has been talking about him and on my Twitter, I talk a lot about how funny I find him and how I always laugh when I see him on screen. But because I just generally, do, it's just, it's, it's hard. I, I, I just start to laugh when he's like doing something, Yeah. but I don't <laughs> so mean goofy. to like, he's so goofy. He's a silly goofy. little guy. <laughs> but, so goofy. What they had in his pajamas this episode. Yeah. It's How so did we miss goofy. It? Um, but at the same time, like he's so interesting and, and, and the way that they're able to like give him laughable moments, but not taking away any of the seriousness or like the multi- Oh no. Uh sorry, something started loading up. Oh. Or the multi-layered <laughs> layeredness of him is so cool. Cause like ever since I've learned like Kyle talk about him like being obsessed with Cassian as like Javert is with Jean Valjean, I've been sold on him. The first arc where um where Cassian puts the gun against Cyril's head, and that's the first time they're interacting, I got so excited and I'm excited for that to pay off in season two. But mm-hmm. um just like the Cyril just reminds me so much of and from the way they've been talking about how he looks up to like Deidre and stuff like he's not sure if he loves her if he wants to be her if he like just looks up to her he just reminds me like he he he's what he he's not just a pathetic Javert he has Javert as a poster on the wall and is like I want to be you and he yeah. tries to be him, but not in like a clown. I mean, he is a bit clown. I have called him a clown. He can be clownish <laughs> at times, but he's not. I, I, I don't want it. Whenever I tweet that, I'm like, okay, I don't want to take all of like the nuance away from his character, but he's a bit of a clown. It's kind of funny. Yes. But I don't want to take away the nuance of his character, but like he has this poster of Javier on the wall. And he's like, I want to be you. And he tries so hard to be him. But like, it's funny, but it's also so in line with this character and the way they've been talking about him, how he wants some sort of authority, some sort of power in this world and some sort of sense of belonging, like some sort, like he wants order from all this chaos he feels in the world, which probably stems from his dad leaving probably too, like with the mm-hmm. way they've been talking about the character, like he wants this order and he looks up to these people with authority and tries to model himself after them and also models himself in his own way of what he imagines order to be. And it's just so interesting to see. And I'm, and I, and sorry, I'm, I'm, I've just been wanting to talk about Cyril for so long. So I'm going to, no, I, I love it. I'm excited. <laughs> but um, ever since he said the Javert thing, I've, um, I know there's a lot of like wondering things about like which route is going to go down and, and Tony, like I've seen on in the interviews, like you guys have been posting about and stuff. Tony's been like, he's totally his ideology is like up for grabs and stuff. His his position, like ever since he said the Javert thing, I kind of want a similar ending as Javert's, where everything just like eats him up and he dies in some sort of way. I don't want, I don't, I I don't know. Just like that'd be mm-hmm. so fascinating to see the fascist thing he he devotes his life to consume him because he's like long. But at the same time, I can also go for Defector Cyril. Like I'm cool with either route. I think each yeah. one has a thing to say, has something important to yes. say, and can go. Yeah, <laughs> I am. <Thank you. laughs> like, um, each route, I'd be happy to see wherever it goes. I just don't want him to be like, oh, never mind. I don't want anything to do with this. That wouldn't make sense. But like, yes, each route, he, he I, I'd be fascinated to see it consume him to eat him alive. I'd also be fascinated to see him realize, oh. I want order, but not like this. Mm-hmm. It, it'd be mm-hmm. it'd be interesting either way. I'd be happy with either one for sure. But yeah, this is, so interesting. Yes, you're on the same level. Like that's like what 
and like what you're saying is like I I felt really frustrated this past week and I'm sorry for people on TikTok I hate to be the bitch that's like let me defend this like kind of horrible white man but I felt like when people were talking about Cyril what was happening was they kept being like oh he's he has this fanaticism and I'm like yeah but like you're missing what makes him do that like Uh I feel like I feel like so many people were missing what was motivating him which is like Mm. like you were saying this want for order but also like the fact that he put so much of like he has no he has no way to validate himself all of his validation comes from other people all of his self-worth yeah. comes from what other people think about him and mm. what other people want him to be so like I was like when people are talking about that I'm like that's why when Tony says like Cyril can go either way that's why because he is a character who relies his self-worth relies on what other people think about him and the positive validation that comes from other people and that's why he he is so obsessed with Dedra because he thinks that she gave her that little bit of positive validation Mm. that's why like like yeah so it was really frustrating me and then it was frustrating me too when people kept being like well I hope he just dies and I'm like but but what would that say about his character yeah like, what uh-huh. would that say? Like, why are we building up this character who intentionally is being built up as could either go way deep into the Empire or could uh-huh. potentially tip the other way just mm-hmm. to kill him? Like, mm-hmm. that doesn't say much, especially when uh, I think he is deliberately built to be a really deep reflection of the audience. And I think that's why mm-hmm. in a lot of ways he makes so many people uncomfortable because he is showing you, hey, you know your own, like, desperate need for like positive validation Uh from others see Uh how that like see where that can lead you and how that can lead Uh you to do bad things like I think that makes people uncomfortable and that's like when I say like Mm -hmm. like I feel like people get thrown off when I'm like oh I relate to Cyril but like that's like why it's like his struggles and like that kind of stuff that I relate to yeah like yeah yeah, he's horrible but oh but and I and I think like he's kind of like just like me for <laughs> and I think like on the political commentary on on that side of like the need for a, a place of belonging and stuff that's like that's how fascism gets people too like mm-hmm. it, it offers that place by like like that's how fascism and when I say I'd want Cyril to die I don't mean just like he dies out of nowhere like I'd want a Javert type death or yes. something like that like where either that or like we're in the last moment he realizes oh shoot i shouldn't have been working for the empire or something like that like something abandons like maybe valance except he actually dies where he's like oh no they left but like a javert type death is the no, thing i'm for yeah. like it's like yeah like i can i picture almost exactly a scene like you know javert's scene but with like cyril but i could also uh-huh. see it in a way where like he goes so deep and then like he in an attempt to sort of write it it's like it's like the vader kind of thing where like he tries to like take something out with him like he uh-huh. he realizes what he's done and then he, he's like but he's like yeah it's kind of like that job air moment and then he's like and also just like fuck you um uh-huh. i think that would be cool but yeah i yeah. i'm so glad we had this i talk josh and i are on the uh-huh. same page like, i just think he is i just think he's such a fascinating character i feel like uh-huh. some people sort of written him off especially because so many of his scenes uh come off as humorous um uh-huh. that i think people have written him off and especially with his mom but like the scenes with his mom that are especially like so interesting to me and like mm-hmm. what that reveals about like what motivates his character and like why especially like why he is the way he is when he's interacting with other people and how awkward he is yeah. um so like I'm glad that 
we can have this because I just think I just think all the characters in Andor are so fascinating. So, if you, which is insane how they make ins- each character fascinating. Like it's hard to get like a full, you know, when you like I feel so like deeply passionate about like multiple characters like the fact that they were able to like expand so deeply on Cassian and then also like make a ton of other like super compelling characters that like I genuinely want to know what happens to them like no matter where they end up like how I just want to see like what they do (laughs) like I love it and it is kind of funny I I did notice this trend with the sort of not old Star Wars but like in previous Star Wars works mainly Clone Wars or something like that where a lot of the time if a new character is introduced and also the books sometimes but if a new character is introduced and they're gonna die soon usually there's this moment where the main character and the and the new character walk up together and they have like this conversation like you mean a lot to me we're, we're I'm glad we're gonna go on this this adventure it's gonna go great but like it's just it's just so good how they haven't been treating these new characters like that where it's like mm-hmm. okay we're gonna give them a connection and then have this quick they're not gonna say much and then they're gonna have this final little you mean a lot to me and then um but they've My, which is, it's, <laughs> it's, it's never goes well when somebody goes i hope i could get married one day and so <laughs> like, when, it's like yeah. that, when they talk about the future i'm like Oh, babe. You're your daughter. Sorry. (laughs) Which it's still sad. It's still like I there can still be like emotional impact with that. But for this, I I just like they're 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 giving they're like we said in the beginning, they're taking their time with every they're being generous to everyone. And it's in Disney, it's because of the 12 episodes. It's because they're giving them a lot more episodes. It's Mm -hmm. it's it's literally just because of that. Mm -hmm. But um no, yeah. Cyril, ever since the third episode two moments like sold me on him like fr- from watching it is the moment where um Cassian puts a gun against his head they first interact and then yeah. the moment where Cassian and Luthen are flying away on that hover motorcycle thing and and Luthen no not Luthen uh Cyril is like disheveled he's he has dirt everywhere and he just looks so defeated yes. and you could see this mm-hmm. change in him and I was like, oh man, he's gonna be. I, I, and then hearing all the Javert stuff, I'm like, oh, I cannot wait to see where he goes. Yeah. I cannot wait. I just, yeah, that's what's so good about his characters. Like, I've said this, like, I know I've been very big, like, I've also, I know I've been very big, like, oh, I think Cyril could affect. I also think that Cyril would make a really great villain. I think that yeah, he'd be yeah. so fascinating if he just went fully batshit. I mean, he's already oh, kind yeah. of like, if he just went fully yeah. like, into it, like, uh-huh. I think that is just as fascinating. And I'm just like, that's yeah. why I was so like, I don't want him to die because I just feel like it'd be a waste of yeah. what could be. And like, especially mm-hmm. when you like look into like kind of his foil with Cassie and especially in the way that like, Cassian had this like really supportive relationship with his mother even though his mother was still disappointed in him in the way that uh Edie was also disappointed in Cyril but you know that's not a positive relationship and like the way that Uh both influence their characters um but yeah like I just I just I was like either way I just think he's too good of a character to Hmm. to kill off in season one I think like Oh yeah, I season like one. Definitely. It'd be a shame. It yeah. would be a shame. It would have been a shame. I would have been yeah. a shame. But like, I was like, because I was like, if he has a villain arc next season, I feel like it's he's the potential of being yeah. one of like him and Dead Dry. I think Dedra's already there and the most uh-huh. one of the most interesting oh, Star Wars yeah. villains. But I feel like if Cyril went like full villain, he could potentially be like one of the most fascinating mm-hmm. villains that Def- Star Wars has ever given us, and one that could be end up being like very 
iconic. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and yeah, that, and like, I think we were saying earlier that that's him having so many routes to go and, and it's still like making a good commentary on whatever is that's the mark of a great character. Like that's, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. really wrote him really well. He has so many places to go and it'll make sense for him and it'll say something and yes. it's really impressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Josh, we're not, we're, we will do it a whole nother episode on episode uh, 12, but Josh, if you want to give us some of your thoughts, uh, on the finale, we would love to hear them. Yes. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So I definitely didn't just finish the finale before we recorded. <laughs> I definitely didn't have four minutes left and had to, uh, watch really quick. Um, but how much would you like me to how talk like, just like a quick little, yeah I guess just yeah I thought it was a great finale I thought it was so perfect I don't know I thought they it's the thing about this the Disney series okay I guess more so with like the Marvel shows they've had a tough time sticking the landing Star Wars I don't think oh definitely yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. these Disney plus Star Wars shows because Star Wars is pretty used to TV they haven't really not stuck the landing they've been doing a good job but like they've they haven't been doing a good job of keeping the consistency good i think in my yeah there are some slower episodes which i mean it's not bad they're never bad i don't know anyways this whole show beginning to end has caught my attention it's 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 kept me engaged and there's never been a dull moment in my opinion um and this final episode it sticks the landing too which is just so incredible to see and I'm so happy to see I'm so happy with this series but the final episode was amazing the Nemec monologue so true <laughs> I have no words uh shout out to Thread Federation uh I ordered that Nemec shirt um I can't wait to wear it uh that is I don't know um but and then that final scene with Luthen and and Cassian that I definitely didn't just finish before this podcast recording um <laughs> kill me or take me in i think were his words yeah that's i wonder what he did but luthan's face (laughs) luthan's face when he says that that smile Mm -hmm. that grows i can't wait to see their relationship grow because he was Mm -hmm. ready to kill cassian he was like all right we're going there to kill him Mm -hmm. but but like the smile like he can tell cassian's changed he can tell he can tell Mm -hmm. he went through something and and um and i'm sure him seeing like his mom because he was watching the speech right yeah yeah i'm sure seeing like oh he was brought up by this woman who is so passionate about the cause about the rebellion like maybe there is something to this kid and then seeing him go kill me or take me in i like that sold them on it he's like okay mm-hmm. we're gonna do some great things um and then a final thing this the cyril the cyril and um and Deidre moment where where he saves her and he goes I need I, I just had to save you and she goes I suppose I should thank you I was like oh shit things are about season two is gonna get crazy because now she's like okay maybe we can work together and um I'm terrified but excited to see what those two are gonna do mm-hmm. yes and that's the imperial that. twin flames <laughs> they persist <laughs> Oh. so true also sorry one more thing the 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 bix crying scene where she was singing along to the stone in the sky 
broke my Fuck. heart. Broke my heart. That was horrible. I don't what I don't know what the actress's name is. I feel bad. I I don't know her name, but uh, um, Adria Adria Ar- Arjona, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. She's she's incredible. She's no, so she's such good. a good actress. And that moment when when she's crying, singing in the cell to the funeral was heartbreaking. It was incredible performance. So sad. It was I had the finale. A, I had fun. a I had a dream that you came and rescued me. Like yeah. So, and and that makes it sound like maybe she was scared that she was back in that dream or something like that yeah. it's, it's just like it's so good the finale was just fantastic it was it was amazing yes yeah but i'm so mad they introduced bricks into star wars how could they do such a <laughs> bricks and, <laughs> and screws and screws and star wars no way Screws no. <laughs> and my Star Wars, it's more likely than you think. <laughs> We've never seen bricks. Uh, Naboo is made out of something else. Don't worry about no, it. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, what a finale. That, what a finale. We will talk <laughs> more about it, but we're glad that we could get your thoughts on it too. Um, with that, we'll go into Casper's Book Club. Oh, my lordy lord. So. <laughs> So, the comics that came out the week of episode 11 were, um... A, d- mm, a doozy. <laughs> Dang! Oh my god. Han Solo Chewbacca number 7, which, granted, I didn't really read. I flipped through it because I was so... Nothing um, not, Nothing really happened. Compared to the other two of that week. Oh my god. So, it was Han Solo Chewbacca 7. Uh, Afra number 26... And Hidden Empire number one. Oh my god. Um so to start off with Dr. Afra, um Alyssa Wong, I am in your goddamn walls, okay? Okay. You I... uh, grabbing Vader meme. Like yeah. <laughs> I flipped between those last two pages, I wanna say like 15 times, just saying no, no. No, yeah, <laughs> louder and louder and louder until it actually dawned what had just happened. But it it was disastrous for the Afro crew this week. It really was disastrous. Um. Also, I do want to point out that <laughs> Magna interfaces with Afra and immediately makes out with her, which so true. Um. I. <sighs> So first of all, takeaways. Ko leaves the Afro crew to stay with Crimson Dawn and be with Kira. Second of all, <laughs> Afra, well technically it's Spark, Spark Afra, blows up the Bolt Cobra, aka Sana Stars the ship, and presumably kills everyone on board. What the fuck is happening? Mm-hmm. Wait, like Sato alive though, because the well, yeah, know but okay. But we don't. We don't know if it's place. in the past. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Oh. So all of her exes are dead, along with her dad, and she managed to corrupt both BT One and um. How do you corrupt zero? How do you corrupt murder? <laughs> you corrupt corruption. I don't know. I don't fucking know. Okay. Good, no. 
They're good now. Because they were programmed to go against her, but then she like interfaces oh, with them. Yeah. She was like, okay, you guys are my friends now. And they're like, okay. We're besties again. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's really rough. And then that it's gets so into rough. a little bit of revelations, but that's for next episode. Um it we don't have enough time to talk about revelations. We, we really don't. <laughs> um overall, after 26. It, it was a lot of the shits, man. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was an issue. I but like in a positive way, not the yeah. same way that we say that about Vader. <laughs> Vader. <laughs> okay. Side note: It is getting uh, a new artist, at least for one issue, and it's the same guy that did the Thrawn comic. So no more senior citizen balance. Um. <sighs> anyway, um, that's what you think shut up <laughs> thumbs thumbs up for for i almost said vader for after 26 yes okay even though it did make me have a mental breakdown yeah <laughs> okay praying for jay yeah it was so he rough for it. him this issue he really does now main event time hidden empire number one take it away live. <laughs> there's about three pages in which i thought kira was dead oh yeah i mm, that wasn't good it but she's so girl boss i love her <laughs> that's it that's my synopsis <laughs> empire one it How do I eloquate my words? To put it very plainly, it ruined my day in a good way. It was all I could think about for the rest of the day. Um, Kofan Ferris was there, mm-hmm. along with Margot and the archivist. Um, we got more content of what seems to be like do you remember when you said that the people who were talking in the background of the hologram were Finn and Poe? Or not Finn and Poe. <laughs> Finn and Ray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I... Yeah. I I see it. I see yeah. it. So we got more content of that. Um, I need the archivist <laughs> to just shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear her <laughs> speak about Kira anymore. The last page where she goes, like, where Kira says, this is all part of the plan. And then the archivist goes, this is not part of the plan. That was funny. <laughs> that was funny. So true. <laughs> She's just like me for real. <laughs> um, But then Kira fucking... <sighs> she sacrifices the Vermilion, a.k.a. like, the main ship of Crimson Dawn now oh. that she, I guess, sold the first light. She, she sacrifices the Vermilion on a Star Destroyer outside of Jakara. Because I think that's where they're still stationed. Which is where the the Han auction took place. She she makes the Emperor think she's on the Vermilion, but she's not. Uh. She's on a planet somewhere. Um, And they come... They talked about it a little bit, and I think Crimson Rain 4 or 5... But they talk about this thing called the Fermata Cage, which is essentially where you could trap beings in time. And then, like, it's almost like cryostasis, where you can freeze things in time and then take them to the present day. And then you can release them and they'll be just, like, 
taken out of time, which gets into time travel, which is my least favorite thing of all time. Anyways, that aside, that portion, I think I can stomach. But, like, the going back and, like, changing time, so, like, the domino effect, that that just doesn't sit right with me. Anyways, the Fermata Cage is theorized to how, that's how Darth Momin from the Vader 2017 and Lando 2016 runs, people are theorizing that's how he was able to kind of, like, be trapped inside of this helmet. Although I think it's more like Sith alchemy rather than the Fermata Cage. But anyways, <sighs> this issue was a lot, okay? Also, the Emperor is, like, viscerally scared of Kira. Like, mm-hmm. he literally yells out, like, what have you done? Like, very few people have ever made the Empire scared. Or not the Empire, the Emperor scared. So Kira doing that is very powerful. Um... It it was just a fucking doozy. Let me tell you. Brian are like, we're tired of yeah. people. Oh yeah. Bye. They they fucking peaced out to go. So now they um, don't have any force users, pretty much. <laughs> I can't see my sexy crispy little man every week now. <laughs> but he was on the connecting variant for this uh issue, probably because it was the last time they would be seen. But um yeah. I love my crispy little burnt marshmallow man. Uh Anyways, it is, it, it is just very bad for Crimson Dawn right now. It is so disastrous. It's so fucking scared. It does not look good for <laughs> Miss Kira. Um, and also, the Emperor force chokes Kira through a hologram, which actually Eli at Skywalker Thrawn on Twitter brought this up. Um, Kira handshake Thrawn because yeah. Sabaoth <laughs> or Sibaoth, I don't know, he like force chokes Thrawn through a hologram in, uh, I think, Heir to the Empire. So yeah, that was a funny... Yeah. Is it Heir to the Empire? Yeah. So that was a funny <laughs> callback <laughs> and connection they made, so shout out to them. Um, it, It's just not looking good for lady kira right now do not speak <laughs> she'll be fine i believe in her okay through the sheer power of girl bossery whatever you say she's going to decanonize return of the jedi <laughs> revelations has always <laughs> burned me yeah. on but i will talk about that in our next episode <laughs> that was funny um Anyways, yeah. Yeah. That those were the comics. Hidden Empire just fucking ruined me. And then Revelations this week was not much better. I was I was not well this no. week. It was so bad. Oh my god. Oh. Anyways, thank you for listening to our Hidden Empire rant on the comic section of Castle Rumble Club. <laughs> Josh, what are you reading? So literacy has left me. I Ooh, so I stole it. <laughs> no. <laughs> um I I've been having to do a lot of readings for school, but uh nice. yeah. Ugh, Shakespeare and comics. I, I'm taking a comic Ugh. class actually, which has been pretty fun. Nice. But yeah. um but no the, what I have started Path of Deceit, the first twenty pages. Um and it's uh it's it's a fun time. Uh it's interesting. Um I forgot the the Padawan who I'm pretty sure ends up falling in love with Marta. I'm not sure. Kevmo. Yes, Kevmo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh 
very interesting i i i like his relationship to the force like um mm -hmm. how he um how he's like oh everything is just how it should have been like he he didn't see that um the pack of the 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 sharks how um how he didn't see how like him having to stay another day like in, made it worse or something he i don't know it, it just i like how he finds the force so beautiful and the mother is interesting the mother i know a lot of people hate her and i'm excited to see mm -hmm. why. i can tell i can see why already now but it's i'm interested to see more of her because oh bestie uh-huh and then marta i've actually met marta too and i re i really like marta too. i i could see why marta and kevmo fall in love i could see why mm -hmm. they because they both share like a love just for like things things yeah just like finding everything fascinating and being like this is how it should be and like loving life as it's given living and laughing loving live live laugh <laughs> they, they have a million of those signs in their home it's, <laughs> it's live laugh love Ke kevmo and marta like that and like marta row is so different from the other rows too which is really interesting um i'm i'm fascinated by her and i'm excited to see more of of her and and i know phase two is going to be shorter because yeah. uh, it's mainly just like background on the leveler and uh and how the rose got there oh and then when they said the gaze electric was the the path of the open hands ship yeah I was like, whoa <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio pointing gif <laughs> I was like I, I thought this that was like the Nihil ship forever but oh my gosh that's interesting so um yeah I need to get literacy back because I want to catch up so bad especially I want to catch up on the whole Vilte thing because <laughs> like true. I've read did we talk about that yeah we talked about that yeah we talked oh, about yeah. it last okay. week because yeah, we talked I, about a higher public too last week oh that's right I I know yeah I need to read their stuff because uh, chis i i i've equated chis twitter to vilte twitter because like they're yeah they, which i love so much they both they 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 all took on vilte it's so i they, they do it's, seem like a. they're so precious okay they're uh from what i've heard at the end of the first issue tay stabs vildar but i'm like this does yeah. line up with the chis uh shipping protocols yeah which i love it, it really <laughs> It really does. <laughs> uh, no, like positive, in a positive way. I, I love, I love, I love, I anything just Twitter ships. I'm like, oh, I'm excited to read into that. So like, uh, Vilte, I, I want to get to know those two, those two also, characters. Also, they're very Han Valance coded. Just yeah, I've seen you say that a lot. I they're so Han, Han Valance coded. I'm Han Valance all the way. I love that that relationship so much. But um. No, yeah, and also Tay is just a guardian of the. I, I I didn't know until recently. He's a guardian of the will? Question mark. Ooh. Well, I think that's a theory. Oh, it's a theory. Is that he was kicked oh, out? Oh, okay. Because okay, no, I won't. That goes into spoilers, uh, so I won't say sure. anything. I just love but the it's like it's been will. theorized that he's a guardian of the, of the wills. Okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Sophie's yeah, I, not like, as good. Bayes didn't get kicked out. He left. <laughs> I I I love Cheer and Bayes, so like I'm I'm and I love the whole Guardian of the Wills sort of stuff. So like if he is, that would be really interesting. But no, yeah, I need to catch up. I need to read Vilte because mm -hmm. I love their I love from what I've seen, they they look adorable. But yeah, mm -hmm. but yeah, that's um, what I'm reading. Yeah, Emily, what are you reading? Has literacy returned to you? Yes, I think we're both, Hay and I are both reading the same thing right now, which we are both reading uh, Convergence, Convergence, which is the first uh, book in the phase two of the High Republic adult The first series. adult one, yeah. Yeah, 
and I'm enjoying it so far. Axel Greylark. Um, he can the man get she, it, okay? The, the man that she I, are. I, I would drop but everything also, for him, okay? Uh, <laughs> I'm blanking on their names, but the two heirs of the Warring Planets. I'm... Siri and Shu. It's not Shu Torin. Fon Shu. Fon Shun. Oh, hold on, I'm looking. Fon Tu. Yeah, Fon Tu. Fon Tu. I also, uh, Creighton, the Jedi Master. Oh, Something he can get him. it too. He can I, get it. I've seen I, those pictures of him. Yeah. I love it. And I love that this, um, this phase seems more heavily romance skewed. I really like yeah. that. I think that's so fun. Um, and this, this, this is going to be good. Cause, mm-hmm. cause I don't know if this is a spoiler, but Axel Greylark braiding Bella's hair. Motherfucker. Let me uh, tell I'm gonna, you, I'm gonna pass away. Um, <laughs> he needs to stop calling people darling, because I will drop everything, jump into this book, and kiss him on the mouth. Okay, he's, like, he's just so Han Solo, Landel Calrissian, Cassie and Andor. He's like he's so he's is, all of them wrapped okay? in one, and I just it's, I could not be more. Obsessed. I can't. I can't. I, I can't. I have. Up. It's I, gonna be so bad for me when he's. I have. Uh, the other book where he's on the cover. Oh my god. No, I literally had to put I had to put the book down several times because I I couldn't do it anymore. Like he... Cataclysm. Oh I will be displaying that out. Uh, (laughs) It'll be a display piece that I will be I will be having a shrine to Axel Greylark. So true. Um, I have a literacy update for you all. Not even just Convergence. Literacy, I believe literacy has finally returned to the redacted household. I finished Tarkin on the train back from the comic book store. And then I started Into the Dark and I l- kind of left it for a few days just because I was busy. And then I finished Into the Dark on the way back from Disney when I hung out with Kels. That's another thing I did last weekend. I hung out with Kels leah and kit for an entire week and it was freaking awesome uh and then i i got convergence on tuesday but i've been super busy just because it's like the thanksgiving season and deadlines are not great but i have read 145 pages today of this book i literacy is back guys like this i don't know what it is about the higher public i mean of course i think it gets you to read a lot obviously but it's it's just something about these sexy Jedi now. Every single person in Phase 2 is so hot. I don't know who did that. Jake Bartok. I don't if you guys have seen that concept art. Wow. Chef's Order case. Angle comes around. Oh, we're all over done for. for me. We're over done. Me. I am what? obsessed. The little thing, I his art, I'm obsessed with the green freckles on, I just forgot his name yeah, again. Yeah, on Fontu. Fontu, his, his green freckles. I When they described that detail in the book, I was like, I need to see that concept art again to see if he has yeah. the green freckles. <laughs> no, when, when Porter Angle, when we get the previews of those first interiors, it's over, it's, it's over for me. And Barash, Barash, she... The, the variant that was released a couple weeks ago. Whew. 
My god. Just... <laughs> Phase two is truly for the bisexuals, okay? Like, truly. Really and truly. If you saw that, like, big banner concept art from Jake Bartok, if you just look up High Public Phase 2 uh, characters, it'll be there. It it truly is just chef's kissery at its finest. Uh, and when we stop recording, I'm going to shower, climb into bed, and read more. <laughs> the last yeah. book I read that, that I was able to read, like, 145 pages in a day was Thrawn Treason. Me too. I finished that, that shit in like a day and a half. Yeah, me too. Yeah, th there was this one night where all of a sudden literacy possessed me, and I read the mm -hmm. entire thing. I was just flipping, and I finished it in like a, only a couple, in like a couple hours or something. It was wow. That's I, and I missed that. I need the literacy back. I need to read these books. Yeah. I missed it too. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Yeah. So that is it for this week. Josh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, make you. sure to follow Josh on all of his social medias. Uh, they're so funny. <laughs> so MJ, funny. I genuinely believe MJ and Josh are two of the funniest people on Twitter, period. Yeah. I, thank you. yes. So please follow them. Uh, make sure to follow us everywhere on social media once again you can tell we are so enthusiastic to answer questions we will answer your questions please send them to us either through our email <laughs> or on twitter um besides that uh yeah that's it for this week thanks so much for listening uh what did we oh what did i blank <laughs> may the force be with you